fun, true believers. This is Modular Media's No Price Podcast, where we normally talk about the MCU, Marvel Comics, uh, merchandise, and more, as well as a distinguished competition. We're doing a little, we're doing a little something different this week. I am your host, Chris Boingo, Writer Gas, and with me, as always, is the distinguished Vacuuminator. Yeah, and we don't have anything MCU to talk about this week, Vac. No, we're going to go through a bit of a drought for the next month. Uh, so you and I, we got together. We had a little bit of a meeting in the minds. We kind of we, we banged our heads together in the center of the ring during MMWP last night. And we decided that what we would do is no prize podcast, the legacy month. Uh, because for those of you who don't have Disney+, Plus, that is the term that um, Disney Plus uses to refer to all non-MCU Marvel content on there. It's Marvel legacy content. Uh, So what we're going to do for the next month is each week we are going to highlight a different piece of Marvel Legacy content. It could be a short comic series, it could be a smattering of episodes from an old Marvel show, or it could be a pre-MCU Marvel movie. And uh, this week we're starting off with a a very famous uh, comic, uh, Silver Surfer Paravel, uh, written by Stan the Man Lee himself and drawn by Mobius. Yeah, and if you don't know who Mobius is, uh, for shame, look him up. He is probably one of the most quintess- like one of the most pivotal creators of uh, sci-fi comics of all time. Mm-hmm. Like, if you read a sci-fi comic, he they were influenced by Mobius. Mobius is or to a lot of visual styles that we pick up on in it was in Blade Runner, uh, Fifth Element. Name a French style sci-fi movie. Yeah, there was influence there. Uh, just uh, he's everywhere, and he 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 also was a part of the also critically acclaimed sci-fi comic series, The Inkle, which I had totally heard of before last week. <laughs> um, but this is Silver Surfer Parable. Um, and what were your overall thoughts? So real quick, just overall, like no spoilers. Yay. Nay. Why? Well, I just read it tonight and I feel like that was a massive mistake because this is, this is an extremely short and seemingly simple story, but there's a lot of big ideas going on here and a lot of grandiose dialogue. I really feel like this is something I should have read earlier in the week and then maybe read a second time today Um, or maybe even made today my third time and had a second time somewhere in between the two because there's a lot going on here, a lot of subtle stuff that uh, Lee and Mobius are doing, um, which I did not expect because Stanley is normally such a straightforward and in-your-face kind of writer. This is very much different from what I expect from his writing style. Um, But that being said, I did really enjoy it. It still has Stan Lee-isms in it, though. Yeah, the dialogue is very um, speech-athetic, I would say. Yeah, there's, like, Stan Lee-isms all throughout, but it it feels like Stan Lee. But it feels like Stan Lee going, like, you know what? This is... If I am to be remembered for one comic... This is the comic I want to be remembered for. Because mm-hmm. this comes out like uh, late 80s, early 90s, doesn't it? I like think right so. when Right when um, creator-owned stuff was starting to become a big thing. Yeah, so yeah, we probably was... saw all these young creators going, oh, here's my big fancy avant-garde take on these characters. Blah, blah, blah. A bunch of people doing that. And Stanley goes, 
you motherfuckers, I made all these characters. Let me have a go. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily feel like that because the story is so such simple. It's 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 like a <laughs> we're going into food metaphors, folks. It's like the best dishes are the ones that are simple, but the ingredients are very high quality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, like the concept of everything is very simple, but everything is of such attempted quality that it makes everything feel better. It makes everything work better. It, it just elevates the whole piece. I mean, essentially the plot of this book is just Galactus rocks up to Earth one day and goes, Hey, Riot! And everybody's like, fuck yeah. And Galactus goes, no, or no, um, Silver Surfer goes, go, oh, goes, uh, no. And everybody's like, yeah, okay, fair enough. And, and, and that's the basic plot. But the story is a lot of the little details, a lot of the moments, a lot of like odd. There's a there's a supporting cast in here that's very unique for a Marvel story. Um, and then there's a big highlight on the general Marvel Universe populace, which you don't see too often in even modern comics. And you kind of experience even, that world through the characters. I don't even know if this is in 616 continuity. It doesn't feel like it. You know what I mean? Yeah, because, like, no other mainstay Marvel characters ever show up. There is a small part of me that all throughout this book was going, where the fuck are the FF? Where the fuck are the Avengers? Where the fuck are the X-Men? What's going on? Because you want to know what what I think this story is? This is after the Age of Heroes. Mm-hmm. This is long, long after everybody's kind of forgotten, and Silver Surfer's just still stuck on Earth, just waiting. It's just... yeah. Because when we meet him in this book, Silver Surfer's a hobo. Yeah. Uh, we're just getting the spoiler territory, folks. Uh, but before we do that, just, just one thing I want to say. I th- This is just me, personal opinion. I think this should go up as some of the greatest single issues of comic right up there with Coyote Gospel in our like hierarchy. So you're definitely not uh you're not you're not the guy from that uh that clip in B Mass video. You're not uh the Mobius Silver Surfer was shit and the Kirby Silver Surfer is the only real Silver Surfer. No, this is a valid Silver Surfer. This is a good Silver Surfer. Yeah, I agree. I, I but like in terms of like similar themes and elements, it feels like a not necessarily a companion piece, but to read it alongside Coyote Gospel which by far is my favorite single issue of a comic ever. I don't know about you, but like that is just like height comic book as art, as like literature. I mean, I acknowledge that issue is good, but it's not for me per se. So I have a hard time putting it up there as like, yeah, this is one of the best things ever. Yeah. Grant Morrison has that response for, with people. They're, I mean, they're, see they're, every review of Infinite Crisis, or no, Final Crisis is the one he did. See every review of Final Crisis ever. Yeah, and Multiversity, and Flex Mentalo. Fucking Seven Soldiers. <sighs> the Invisibles. Nobody nobody respects Grant Morrison enough. No matter how much you like Grant Morrison, you don't like them enough. Yeah, Grant Morrison, wow. monarch of comics. But, no, let's get into the story, because the story uh, opens with, essentially, the world responding to Galactus coming back and just landing. And everybody just goes like, oh, shit. Here we go again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very, again, it's very simple, it's very subtle, because we just see the ship coming in, 
people are informed and they start freaking out. And then we come across a, uh, a homeless man uh, who is kind of retreating back into his mind. He, he says, um, the world I find myself in is is uh, basically like, I feel no surprise I see do many san- uh, the cinch and squalor no longer touch me. In my mind, I can always escape. Memories of the past are now my shelter for the body, for the body may wither, but love is eternal. Basically, like, He's escape. He's going into escapism of his memories of his past. Mm-hmm. We get a brief flashback to his time on Zen Law. Yeah, I also really like the kind of uh, Art Nouveau style for Zen Law. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very sort of um, ornate and sort of uh, like classically romantic. Yeah, it's very Art Nouveau. It's very because it's also depicted kind of flat. Mm-hmm. Like it's not overly rendered. It's very like idealized yeah um, and then like the the very next panel when you come back to reality everything's got this kind of weird angled pudginess to it yeah like this this style that mobius is doing here everything fits together in this book but he definitely has a unique way of drawing each sequence yeah he, and it's not necessarily like oh he's inconsistent it's purposefully inconsistent mm-hmm. um because Solar Surfer's then accosted by some cops. They go like, okay, what are you doing here, here you homeless man? Uh, oh, it looks like he stole something from the riots. It's it's obviously his Gotta board. hit that quota! Gotta hit the quota! Uh, gotta make that money. But but basically, they think he stole it in the riots and the looting. And Silver Surfer goes, no, it's mine. It's my it's my board. He doesn't say that, but like he's going like, no, it's mine. He hurts the cops. Who's fucking touch to me? Shit. You there? Uh, yeah. Uh, the call froze for like two seconds, though. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun cutting that out. <laughs> yeah. To me, to me is for people who don't know. To me is a, a reference to, of all things, Dan Slot's run on Silver Surfer, mm-hmm. which is probably uh, the was, best thing Dan Slot has ever made. Yeah, it's it's. I'm not a fan of Slot, but like that Silver Surfer is it just gets Silver Surfer, and plus it has Mike Allred on art. And you can't go wrong with Mike Allred. Yeah, Mike Allred these days is kind of the next best thing to bring Jack Kirby back from the grave. And it's not even like just like trying to be like Jack Kirby. It it has that classic comic book feel, but it oh yeah, that's like, what I mean. I don't I don't mean like he's copying Jack Kirby. I mean he has a style that evokes that feeling. Yeah, go read Mad Men, everybody. Go read mm-hmm. Mad Men. Uh, and the same but- can be said for Mobius because the fucking sequence we get here. With the ship coming down and Galactus emerging, it's like a perfect modern rendition of Galactus's original um, emergence in the old issues of FF. It just has this wonderful sort of like calmly foreboding feeling to it as Galactus oh, yeah. just stands out and all but T poses and says, the power, the moment is mine, the power is mine, the majesty is mine. And it's like... Fuck, here we go. Oh, man, those are the next phrase, because we have a panel of everybody just looking up in awe. Like, some people are just scared, shitless. Some people are, like, in reverence, and some people are, like, confused. It's just beautiful. It just shows humanity in a lot of different ways. Too long have you wallowed in war, uh, endured poverty, been set by crime. In return for your homage, I bring you a new era. It's like, oh, shit, yeah. Also, real quick, I just sucks. 
I kind of want to just briefly mention about the ship. I love how Mobius drew the 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 exhaust of the ship. Mm-hmm. Just a pure solid cylinder of like energy. Yeah, it's it's really nice. It's really subtle. Also, you gotta also, wonder if that's like vaporizing buildings or something. Oh, probably. Also, I love just how detailed Galactus's face is. Mm-hmm. He you looks know? chiseled and fucking almost decrepit. Like you can see the years on his face, the fucking eons on his face. Yeah, but then we cut to probably the the closest thing we can say to a B plot. More, it's more realistically the A plot. This is the message. This is the the characterization of the story as we have it. It's our, um, it's the human connection. Yeah. Uh, because on the news, the news is going like, hey, Galactus is here. He's really fucking powerful, guys. Uh, we don't know what to fucking do. No one knows what's going on. And this one dude who's kind of dressed new agey, religious kind of guy says like, oh, this is, this is the opportunity. I can start a religion about Galactus and have people put me in power because I started it. Yeah, it's really cool that, like, Bill Wirtz's origin is in Marvel Comics. He's going, <laughs> we can make a religion out of this. But um, like, And legit, this, I, I do want to say just a slight complaint with this particular page. Um, because it threw me for a second. I was like, wait, I thought we were on Earth. What's this alien-looking motherfucker doing here? <laughs> yeah. Because this I, guy has, like, he has, I don't think they were going for this, but he has the same complexion as Donald Trump. He's got, like, a little jewel on his forehead, and the way his veins are drawn at the bottom of the page on his forehead, it looks like they're antenna. Yeah, no, I can, I can get that vibe, but, like, you know, honestly, though, the Trump comparison kind of makes sense for today, because... I mean, I was, if presented with the opportunity, I was half thinking I might joke this book is kind of Silver Surfer versus QAnon. I mean, to an extent. But basically, he goes like, oh, I can make a faith out of that, I can make a religion. And his sister's basically going like, yeah, I mean, sure. Mm. Uh, so slowly, he starts evangelizing on TV, and people just immediately pick up on it because... He's confident. He has he he has power and conviction in his voice and goes like, hey, we just need to shut up and pray to Galactus. And everyone goes like, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. Let's pray to Galactus. Yeah, I mean, the guy's got a big G on his chest. Of course he's God. Uh, and just violence keeps erupting around and everything. And Silver Surfer sees it and goes like, no, nah, this is bullshit. You're, you're a fucking con artist. You lie. Uh, false prophet, you bring shame to your calling. Like, Silver Surfer's not even going, like, yeah, no, religion's fucking bullshit. He's going, like, no, you're fucking bullshit, and you're shaming anybody who's ever called themselves a prophet. And basically, we have this confrontation of Silver Surfer laying out the thesis of the book of basically, you should not just fall in line and follow powerful people because they are powerful. I mean, there's a lot of scenes in this book, like this scene even, um, is kind of just, like showing how insane people will go because they believe a certain belief system or a certain ideology where a figurehead is telling them just to do things. And like we said, that's very similar to what's going on in the world now with stuff like QAnon. Um, and even just as a, as a real-life atheist myself, I couldn't help but going like, yeah, this is kind of a good criticism of certain extreme sects of christianity 
it, but it's also a criticism of atheism. Like it's a criticism, not just of religion, but of just bowing down to the powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea Group of like mentality, mom mentality. Yeah, because it's like just because someone it seems to be all powerful, seems to be in control like that, does not mean that you should just do what they say. That you should at any like you should if you feel like it is wrong to fight because like silver so, uh uh it is said in here is like uh what insane conceit uh, po- uh possesses you you think you can defy Galactus you think you can make a difference and Silver Surfer responds yes for in truth any man can make a difference it is not given to us to know whether we shall succeed or not in failure there is no disgrace. There can be but one ultimate shame, the cowardice of having not tried. And it's just like, yeah. Like, I love Silver Surfer in this because it's like, he is hopeful and optimistic. And and like, he's he's Superman. He's a a much calmer and much more thoughtful Superman. It's it's Superman by way of Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Um, Like, I'd say the big difference between, like, mainline DC continuity Superman and this take on Silver Surfer is that Superman's a lot more comforting. Um, He's he's a lot more a lot more compassionate and emotional. He'd be he'd be like trying to make a very impassioned plea to this guy and saying, like, come on, you know, this is bullshit. Why are you doing this? Don't do this, man. Come on. And Silver Surfer is just like. Fuck, stop. This is bullshit. Oh, you're not gonna stop? Alright, cool. Just gonna have to fucking fight it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna win, but I'm gonna try. Which is which is just good. Uh, and also love Silver Surfer holding on to rags in the ruin of a city. And they go, oh, who are you? I'm called the Silver Surfer. Just the simplicity of that. Mm-hmm. And I love the way he's drawn um, in those panels. And the following panels... Uh, in the uh, the first couple pages of the next issue where he's talking to uh, the woman and he just has he feels like a man at a time like the silver surfer is often compared to a statuesque figure and like oh uh, we've we've already kind of talked about this but I've only ever gotten that feel from three different artists Jack Kirby Mike Allred and now this book because here's like, the thing about Look at him on page one of issue two, fucking panel two, and the way he's looking at her. He looks like a Greek fucking statue, and I love it. And the best thing is, like, he doesn't feel dynamic. He feels like he's always been in that pose for eternity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that. there's kind of an a- ethereal quality to the way Silver Surfer's drawn in that, which just really uh, affects the Surfer, you know? Uh, but now we also have... One of my favorite panels is like, don't go. Galactus is too powerful. Men worship him. No one will help you. You'll be alone. You'll be destroyed. If we turn from battle because there is little hope of victory, then where would valor be? Let it ever be the goal that stirs us and not the odds. Like, God damn. I, I want that. that. That's the kind of fucking shit Steve Rogers would say if he had a real education. Like, but that is just like the epitome of like what I like. I love. It's like, it doesn't matter how hard it is. You fight for what's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the next page, is it just me? Or did you immediately read that that bottom panel and, and go, Ah, Silver Surfer, I knew you. <laughs> God damn it. 
do we have to think of Galactus talking like Broken Matt Hardy from now on? Just in that one panel. Just in that one panel. Because that phrase is forever associated with Broken Matt Hardy to me. Yeah. But no, like, uh, I love how, like, nobody brings up, like, oh, Galactus shouldn't be here because of Fantastic Four. But Silver Surfer does. Have you broken your solemn pledge? You vowed to never attack Earth. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, I didn't attack her. I I fucking told them to stop being wusses, and now they're just fucking shit up. It's not my fault that they interpreted it that way. Lol. He's basically saying, like, I'm here to encourage the fucking up of shit, so once everybody kills themselves, then I can take Earth for myself, and no one can oppose me. Because I'm hungry, and this is fucking delicious. I want it. I found a loophole to put my finger in the pie, so I'm gonna put my finger in the pie. And I love how Silver Surfers immediately go like, you ain't that kind of bitch. <laughs> yeah, he's like, come on, you're better than this. And I worked so- for you for millennia. I know you. This isn't this isn't your kind of thing. Come on, man. He's trying to appeal to Galactus's better nature. He's trying to, not even that. It's not even saying like, oh, Galactus, these people are dying. It's more of like the idea, because Silver Surfer acknowledges you are beyond good and evil. Your actions are not evil. Your actions are your actions. It doesn't, like, good and evil has nothing to do with it. This is beyond your, like, this is below you. Like, you're better than this. Why are you doing this, Galactus? That kind of idea. And and he just goes, like, never before has the hunger consumed me. And I love the next page where, like, there's a crowd of reporters on a rooftop watching and talking about the Silver Surfer because they don't recognize him, which is... Good, good feed into this is probably way past the age of heroes. Um, and he's like, should I fuck with this? Yeah, I have to try. I have to try. So he says, Galactus is mighty. His power awesome. But only the coward or psych, psych sycophant. sycophant worships power and might. What his divinity, what has divinity to do with the show of strength or abandonment of reason? Where is the holiness in brutality and greed. And I'm just like, fuck, this is the kind of shit I wish would come into my head when I'm talking to Christian. Yeah, no, like, this is, this is, this is the epitome of just, like, is the, it is taking down power structure in a general sense. It is, don't worship a god, don't, don't follow the word of people who say hate. Power shouldn't, like, Reverence shouldn't come from brutality. It should come from violence. It shouldn't come from this. It should come from kindness and gentleness. Mm-hmm. And I know there's people who are probably going to listen to this and think I'm just openly bashing on Christians because I'm an atheist who was raised in a Christian environment. And yeah, it's partly that, but also like Stan Lee was a Christian. No. And he wasn't he? Stan Lee was Jewish. Oh, I thought he was Christian and uh, Kirby nope. was a Jewish guy. No, his name was Stanley Lieber. Okay, okay. Well, then that, but that also kind of plays into the same thing of like they're very similar faiths, very similar systems. And this is probably like him openly like airing grievances. I wouldn't say he's going like, this is why this is bullshit. He's going like, and here's the problem with just saying openly love God and tell everybody who doesn't want to love God to go fuck themselves. Right. It's also like a contrast because Jack Kirby has been, it's been very pointed out that Jack Kirby's faith was not a direct influence of like lore and like 
he wanted to make his books Jewish, but his faith did inform how he created. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of see that when you reckon, when you realize that like, oh yeah, he really likes making very powerful gods. He like he likes working on Thor, on High Father, on Dark Side, mm -hmm. on Icarus. Like he does have a fascination with people who have the characters who have like all unlimited power using that power for either good or evil and kind of exploring that. Mm -hmm. Like that's what the new gods stuff in DC was all about. Just exploring that kind of like good and evil dichotomy. Mm -hmm. And call that call that stuff out for being overwritten all you want, but like you can't deny there's fascinating ideas in those books. Oh yeah, no, Jack Kirby is a is probably one of the most fascinating idea men of comics. I just think he probably benefits from having someone else help script him. Yeah, like not even like say hey change the story, but like punch up the dialogue. Mm -hmm. He needs Which, a he needs a uh, script doctor. Yeah, and. And basically, this Stan Lee in this, in contrast to Jack Kirby, is basically going like, no gods, no masters. Mm -hmm. For lack of a better way of describing it, it's Silver Surfer coming in, because Silver Surfer is Stan Lee's favorite character to write. He loved writing Silver Surfer. So he's just laying it all out and saying, yeah, no, don't follow the mighty. Follow the kind. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, flawed as man may be, he has ever aspired nobility despite war and crime poverty and pestilence human spirit still burns bright you must not let galactus quench that flame and then someone just goes kill the dirty rotten anti-god mm -hmm. and a fucking guy comes up and shoots at him and because galactus has, or so i keep saying galactus silver surfer has power cosmic so the, the shot just doesn't even get close to him it just bounces off his force field and he's just like so once again, they respond with mad, mindless violence. Like, fucking, I should have known this was going to happen, but I, I didn't want to think that way. But also, he doesn't get angry at him. He's like, yeah, they don't, they don't know the wrong that they've committed. And then immediately we see Silver Surfer in a Christ-like pose. Mm-hmm. This is very much, this, honestly, this is a take on uh, Jesus when he, like, full stop. Because it's a man of from nothing saying, no, follow kindness, be kind to others, don't follow violence and power and that kind of stuff. People reject him, and then he gets put through a trial and tribulation, i.e. being fired upon by Galactus, who's just pissed off at this situation. Now it's like, it's fucking fuck. New Testament Jesus versus Old Testament God. And Galactus is just destroying property, and he's just destroying everything. I feel no anger... Uh, not for me as the base tyranny of emotion, but the great hunger gnaws and I must feed. He just wants to, he just needs to eat now. It's, it's not a matter of good or evil or morality or ethics or anything. It's just like, no, I hunger. I need to eat. I'm fucking hangry, bro. Get out of the way. Galactus must survive. And Silver Surfer just goes like, I need, I need to, I need to get Galactus away from here. So I need to run to save these people. Mm -hmm. And while Galactus is destroying things, the Silver Surfer runs down and gets and saves the man who shot him. And I love this scene because this, this is, this is what Jesus is to me. This is like faith. This is what you should believe. But just mere minutes ago, I tried to kill you. You struck in the name of your God. See now what such blind devotion has wrought. You can't go back there. You have no chance against Galactus. 
there is always a chance while life endures. Just yeah. like he goes yeah. like, yeah, no, you were led astray. You did wrong, but that doesn't mean I should le- let you die. And the guy immediately gets his like, you can't stop this. This is bigger than you. And Silver Server goes like, yeah, it is, but I got to try. And it's just like, ah, oh. it's, it's the same kind of thing that was getting me choked up last week with the finale of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You just don't understand. What don't I understand? We have to try. We have to try to do better. That, and that's what superheroes should always be is like that that attempt of betterment that 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 goal to strive for. Yeah, we're not Batman, we're not Superman, we're not Spider-Man, we're not Cap, but goddamn, we can try. They are uh oh, what's the quote from All-Star? They are uh, they are a young people, Kal-El. They know not the way, but you can be the light to guide them. Yeah. That's why I always resonate with Grant Morrison because I I, I hold that belief. I agree with it. Uh, agree with them in that point. It's like superheroes are are our morality of today that are trying to tell us, hey, the good stuff, the ones that are really tried, because there are a ton of comics that are just trying to make a buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi. Um, oh, how did I forget the, the the Wonderland comics that have a million saucy variants? yeah that shit exists never forget about that you can never forget about that because it's always like five pages of previews every month but but the the sister comes in to talk to the priest the uh, uh, evangelist and basically everybody's going like hey don't interrupt him like immediately there is an entire structure of power around this guy about a religion that's been around for what a week maybe at tops Mm mm-hmm a week tops, like, but the book gave me the feel of like this has been maybe two days. Yeah, no, it's it's not a long time at all. And a sister comes in, and I love how this guy is like fully bought into his bullshit now. Mm-hmm. You are my sister, therefore, in the name of Galactus, I forgive you. But have a care, Elena. I do not seek to take advantage of our relationship. Like, like he was in this for power, and like now that he's power, he's bought into it. It's like, no, I'm right. He's working the gimmick. Yep. He he's worked himself into a shoot, and this whole time, like he's basically going like, "Hey, uh, don't talk about Silver Surfer. He's he, he's he's evil," and like basically goes like, "Nope, she's she's tainted. Remove her. Bye bye." Just trying to hold on to his power and not uh, ignore anything that says otherwise. I dare not waver or let others lose faith. Galactus is a stepping stone in my quest for power. What does his divinity or uh, or lack of it matter? Like, and that's just an indictment of anybody who goes like, "Hey, follow this person." It's it's Whether- fucking everything out of uh, um, fucking Eye Patch Wolf's bizarre world of videos. Yeah, it's just like this. This is the people that like. This is the people making those QAnon videos. This is the priest who says, "Hey, give me money because God said so." The Earth is totally flat, you guys. Donald Trump can save America. It's those people. It's the grifters of the world. It's just like so beautifully and efficiently gets this idea across. And Galactus is still going after Silver Surfer because Silver Surfer is trying to make Galact like he's just trying to avoid as much damage as he can. Oppose me, my once and former herald. Yield and you live. Oppose me and die. Death comes to all. I fear it not. I want that. I want that page as a poster. It's so good. All the art is just fantastic. And basically, he starts running away, 
to like help protect people and all that kind of stuff. And everybody's just going like, oh, okay. I guess Galactus is, is sing, singing praises of the Lord Galactus. Glory be to him who walks among us. He who is the world and will uh, and the will and the way. Ye Galactus hath set us free. You know, he's just going to the ship. And we're now on the rooftop where the sister's going like being escorted out. And I think this guy is like from uh, just a bureaucrat just going like, hey, no, this religion's kind of bullshit. It's what the mayor, the mayor of New York. May, yeah, mayor. Uh, if your phony prophet has a pipeline to that overgrown freak, I want to see him. And I mean, now basically calling out the bullshit is like, it doesn't like this. There's no power here, you know? And like on the, on the very next panel with the way the follower is drawn with all the lines on his face and he's all scrunched up in this fucking point. It's like the perfect, like, ang like depiction of just righteous fury over something that you so desperately want to believe in it's the person getting angry at any challenge of their belief mm -hmm. the second you go like hey maybe not they go like no fuck you yeah and like the thing that really gets me with that kind of shit man is just like how easy it is to fall into that myself when i hear people like saying saying overtly like the kind the kind of shit that flies around the workplace that's like pretty racist and sexist and homophobic but isn't overtly it so you're supposed to let it slide and like there's a part of me that just really wants to go on a tirade when i hear that kind of shit but i, I mean, have to pull myself back i have to pull myself back and go like no be the better guy maybe make a calm comment in opposition to it later don't unleash righteous fury because you're just gonna prove this person right in their mind i mean if it's a joke if they're telling a joke and it's a racist joke just ask what's the joke i don't get it what's so funny mm -hmm. make them confront what they're saying you don't have to be an asshole about it just go like I, I don't get the joke what's the joke yeah and and that definitely is a strategy i employ sometimes i'm just saying like mentally there's a process of you have to pull yourself back to even get close to where the surfer is in this book. And that's kind of also another point is like power is not might does not make right. Just mm -hmm. because you have the power behind your words does not mean you are right within your word. It's very important that I don't think this the the surfer almost never strikes at Galactus in this book. Like he blasts him once, maybe twice. And he just evades. He's just evading. Um and the sister starts to run away. She gets on a helicopter. She's about to escape to, to to basically get to the Silver Surfer and go like, no, this is try and help him out. And they fire at her and they hit her. And she just goes like, I need to talk to the Surfer. I need to stop this. I need to. It, it, it is devotion not to the Surfer, not to Galactus, but to trying to help the world, trying to fix the problem. You know, mm -hmm. the Surfer's running away and he finally goes uh, uh he basically says here's a here's a bargain for you uh, a pledge a pledge for a pledge galactus leave planet earth about to never return else i fight till i die and then galactus responds then die you shall goddamn and i love the way they they over over embolden the font for that one bubble you just you feel like the booming anger that's supposed to be in that line and then as her dying breath gets she's getting near galactus trying to the trying to fix everything 
the pain, it won't stop everything growing dark, uh, but can't close my eyes, can't fail now. She's trying her hardest to save humanity. All the while, her brother is just going like, well, you win some, you lose some. And just a very kind of like, uh, perhaps it was just as well. Do not pursue her. She can do no har- uh, do us no harm. Again, I mean, he sees when he actually gets to the command room, the brother, and he sees her approaching Galactus and he realizes, oh, that helicopter is going to crash. She's going to die. He starts like flipping out and screaming and like, oh, you can't Galactus. Come on. We're bros. Don't don't fucking let my sister die. Come on, Galactus. You're almighty. Save her. And Galactus is like, this doesn't fucking matter to me in the slightest. This is this uh, this doesn't even register to me. It's beneath me. He's fucking he's apocalypse talking about humans. Yeah. Um, and also there's the idea again, he's thinking about power. She doesn't have the power to stop him. Yeah, she doesn't have the power, but she has the kindness. It's again, it's the idea that power doesn't mean power doesn't make you right. Power doesn't do that for you. Strength doesn't do that. It's kindness, gentleness. Because at the end, Silver Surfer goes and tries to save the helicopter. Uh, the helicopter. He goes like, "Shit, she's dying. She needs help." And Galactus basically goes like, "Nope, I am going to, I am going to ruin your one chance of saving this person because you fucked me over. Because you're being a dick. Uh, I will be defied no more, uh, no longer. When insurgency threatens, let power prevail. For Galactus is power, and power is all. Again, it's the it's the idea that might makes right that kind of concept." And the Silver Surfer just goes like, I could have saved her. She was praying for humanity. She wanted humanity to come out that's the other side to be better. And I couldn't save her. And just the look on her brother, where for the first time in the entire book, he looks human. Mm -hmm. That first panel where he's just dumbfounded and everybody's around him talking. And he just says, Galactus didn't even try to save her. He just let her die. And the guy, and his fucking follower guy, who was the, the pointy man from earlier... He's like, did Elena not sin in defying the will of Galactus? And he just fucking turns on him immediately and goes, sin? My sister was the as free of sin as the very air we breathe. It is Galactus who sinned. And I who sinned. I who dared defy a devil. Deify a devil. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Words are un- Some words are uncommon for people and they don't know how to pronounce them. There's no shame in that. I just basically, read through it too quick, that's all. Yeah, and basically the world goes like, oh shit, Galactus is kind of an asshole. And everybody's just going like, oh yeah, no, fuck Galactus. And the surfer goes like, you know what? The Earth said, said, fuck Galactus. And he's and Silver Surfer at the same time, fuck Galactus. You could have saved her, yet you lifted not a finger. What uh, gives you cause to say it does not? If life is the most precious gift of all, then it is not a loss of matter of momental consequence. Your your blind disregard for other lives fills my heart with burning rage. Why has such awesome power granted to one as merciless as you? By what mad folly, for what dread purpose was created a Galactus? Like, again, that thesis statement. Power doesn't make you kind. Power is just power. It's what you do with it that matters. And what Galactus does is nothing. So Galactus then closes his fists around the surfer trying to kill him as the world responds to galactus saying no we will not follow you and galactus goes like all right as my as per the agreement they are not following me and as such that means you get to live so be free my surfer i will not come to this earth 
you have won our wager. Galactus is nothing if not a man of his word. Exactly. Uh, They deify me no longer. You have turned them against their god. I plan to free them of their inhibitions to remove all moral restraints. But it was a matter of time before they destroyed themselves. But they worship me no more, and that plan has failed. I grant you your freedom, Skyrider. Your death will avail me not. And so, Skyrider was in this comic? Whoa, I didn't know this connected to Toei's Showa continuity. God damn it. (laughs) But God, also, Galactus releases the surfer. And he's in the fetal position as if he is being reborn mm-hmm. in that kind of vibe. And Silver Surfer goes, wait, remember your promise. You have vowed not to harm them, to take no uh, reprisals. reprisals. Galactus needs none to remind him of a pledge once given. I go for the hunger still gnaws. Like, he's basically saying, like, yeah, no, this place is safe for now. But, like, I got to go else, somewhere else to eat. For man's racial memory is uh, woefully short. Basically saying, like, they're 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 good now. They're working together now, but it's only a matter of time until... These fuckers forgot all the superheroes, dude. You think they're going to remember that this happened in a couple months? Yeah. And Silver Surfer's in front of the UN basically goes like, Hey, yeah, that was Galactus. Good job fighting him off. No, you were wrong. You must place no man above another. Uh, the spirit of any is in all or else in none. Basically saying like, nah, s- stop putting people on pedestals. Stop put, stop, stop making super soldiers, guys. Stop. And being- they immediately, they immediately go, cool, great, we love that. We're super about that, dude. But like, you got us out of this, so we're gonna put you on a pedestal. Uh, how humbly he speaks. He is the essence of true holiness. If not a God, a surely a saint. You must lead us, guide us. We shall per, uh, we shall be uh, dis- uh, your disciples. And Silver Surfer immediately goes, they haven't learned their lesson. Th- this is madness. They thirst for leadership. as It's a vicious cycle that never ends, Nadira. And basically goes like, they they long for leadership like a child. Because because they are inexperienced and everything. And this is why they surely fall prey to tyrants and despots. While they can't realize that the uh, truth face is faith in oneself. What has made them so desperate to have others show them the way? It's and basically pointing out the, tr- the inherent tribe mentality that we as humans have. Which again goes back to that whole idea of this being um, fo- following groups with strong figureheads. Like like all those movements we've touched on already and just blindly joining in with something because you want to belong because you see something and go, this is a, this is something that will keep me safe and keep me happy. I have to stick with it. And it's also the idea of like people not seeing the worth in themselves that they like, they go like, Oh man, I'm a piece of shit, but that person has their shit together. If I follow them, maybe some of that put togetherness will rub on me and I'll, I'll be happier. It's yeah. like that's not how this works. I don't I don't have any friends, but what if I just listen to this podcast of this group of friends talking and hanging out and being silly boys for for years on end and use that as my substitute for friendship. That can't possibly end in heartache, can it? Like and for lack of a better way of describing it, everybody kind of falls in this thing. We have people we look up to as heroes to guide us, if not explicitly, implicitly. Like, we've been talking about 
this whole podcast of how much I love Grant Morrison and how much I believe in Grant Morrison and the the themes and ideas he puts into his work. But like, Wait, no, go ahead. I don't know where I was going with that. But no, but that's what I'm saying. It's like there's a belief in Grant Morrison in that way. But I, but you also need to recognize that that's just an admiration. It's not a. You don't need to follow them. Uh huh. You you listen to them and you uh, and you exchange ideas and sometimes that exchange of ideas is one way with art but it doesn't always have to be that way and you have to exchange your you have to comprehend yourself as a person just as much mm-hmm. as you comprehend others and like I mean like value I mean a great lesson this book can inadvertently teach you is don't just listen to this podcast and then walk around going, oh yeah, Silver Surfer Parable is fucking great and regurgitate everything we've said today. Go read this book for yourself. Talk about it with friends of yours who have read this book. Figure out what it means to you. And then do that with everything. Like, don't parrot people. Don't parrot ideas. Don't just listen. Don't just follow. Don't just fall in line. Because this is also like an idea of like self-love. It's an idea of like self-confidence. It's you are of worth. You are of value. You are living. Thus, you are worthy. And like, again, it's just I love the message of this book. And Silver Surfer goes like, all right, they're not getting this with kindness. I'll have to use power. And Silver Surfer then goes, all right, you want me to lead you? I need a bunch of fucking money. I need land. I shall not be subject to any man-made law. I shall rise when I deign appear. Basically going like, you're just going to follow me as much as possible. I am going to be a dictator as full. One third of Earth's nation's wealth shall be set aside for my personal use. I do what I want when I want. Fuck you. Uh, And every command obeyed without question. Basically like, Basically, hey, I'm going to throw my dick around and just say, like, you need to do anything I say. And everybody immediately goes, like, no. They start getting the message. They, like, it's painful. But, like, everybody immediately goes, like, no, we don't, we shouldn't have to follow you just because you say to. And, like, nobody's understanding the irony in this because he said that, he said this just one sentence before. Going, like, hey, don't follow any man just because they, because they have the power to. And, like, nobody gets it. All except the brother. All except the priest. Because everybody's just going like, get out of here. And Silver Surfer goes like, all right, cool. He leaves knowing he's did the job. And the brother just goes, please don't do it, Surfer. Stay with us. We need you more now than ever. Mankind is mad. You are a last hope. It's too late. He's going. Why did you do it? You could have had it all. You could have been a god. A god. You threw it all away just for us. And the tragedy is... We don't deserve it. It's Lee anthropomorphizing the audience. It's basically like, yeah, no, we don't deserve this kindness of free will, of self-love, of self-actualization, but we have it, and we need to take care of it. If we, if I could borrow another Stan Leeism, with great power must also come great responsibility. Mm-hmm. That and that should be applied to anything. Your Twitter account is a responsibility. Don't go harassing people. Don't be an asshole. Don't be a dick. There's a person behind the other screen. You see, like, don't be a dick to actors. Thank you, Riot. What's uh, what, uh, Riot? Ryan, say his name. Leave Wyatt Russell alone. Thank you. Like, don't put people on pedestals. Don't do all this. We don't deserve this, but we have it, and so we must cultivate it. We must keep it. We must keep it and make it precious. And like, um, God 
damn. And like we're we're here and we're fucking preaching all this bullshit. And I I know it's we're making it sound easy, like, oh, this is just common sense. But I gave an example earlier and I'm gonna give another example now. Um, Boingo, we talked about a bit of uh, a bit of toy news off mic earlier. <laughs> and while all this was going down on there, there was a very negative reaction to this bit of toy news. And I'm not going to say what it was, and I'm not going to name names because that's not what this is about. But there was a lot of negative reaction to this news on my Twitter timeline. And I was reading this towards the end of my shift at work. And I was just getting really worked up and going, like, God, why? Why is everyone like I, there were a few people specifically I was looking at and going, why are you dogging on this so hard? You're being way too hard on this and i almost like actually jumped on them and started ranting a couple times and i was like okay i need i feel like i have to say something but i can't be confrontational here and i can't i can't get i can't be angry so i just need to say something kind of neutral that kind of expresses the sentiment of everybody calm down and so in my sort of sarcastic Twitter way, I just tweeted, y'all really got to stop flipping out over shit that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Right. But like, that's the point. It's like people get wrapped up in the material ideal of the world and don't realize that, oh, like we're connected. We're people. We're humanity. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just this, this, this book affected me in a way. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Um. I'm got. I'm pretty sure you're the one that picked it, right? Yeah, I said no. You said let's do something classic, and I, I said like, oh, we could do a parable. I think. I think that's kind kind of how it. Yeah. So you happened. picked it. Technically, we're gonna go with that. Thank you for picking it, man. This is this is a good read, and I've really enjoyed discussing it with you. Um, but uh, if that is all we have to say on it, yeah, um, we we have. We have a slate of upcoming main topics that we should probably reveal now because we've been yep. teasing it. Okay. So, folks, in the meantime, well, in between MCU projects, this is the kind of game plan that we're going for. This is the upcoming podcast episode, so everybody get hype. We are doing Silver Surfer Apparel, which you're, you, you just listened to right now. Sick, ain't it? We did a good job, didn't we? Hell Yeah. <laughs> The next thing we're doing is the 90s X-Men animated version of the Phoenix Saga. Which I've never seen. After that, we're doing Spider-Man Unlimited episodes 1 through 4. Yes, Spider-Man Unlimited, that series. The MTV show, which I have also never seen. No, it's not the MTV show. That was on Fox Kids. Okay. The, the MTV show is 3D animated and starred Neil Patrick Harris. Then I really haven't seen this. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the one with furries. Oh yeah, that's right. You were telling me about this. I'm 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 sort of excited. <laughs> and then we're going to watch X two, uh, the X Men movie, which I have uh, seen and fucking love to death. So I can't wait to watch it for the first time in like almost ten years. Yeah, we just thought it'd be fun to do. Uh, and then after that, we're going to watch a smattering of Fantastic Four: World's Greatest Superheroes. Uh, just a couple episodes. We'll talk about which ones we're doing uh, on the episode itself. But just that fun cartoon that should have gotten a lot more love than it did. And then after that, to get us hype for Loki, we're gonna read Vote Loki. Yeah, the 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 semi recent uh, political commentary uh, comic using the titular 
a trickster character that looks like it's going to be getting homaged in the Disney Plus Loki show. Why not? Let's just review the whole thing. I've read it one. I read it when it was coming out and really liked it. So I'm excited to go back through it. Yep. But uh, before we get into like individual things that we read throughout the week, I think it'd be a good idea because this Wednesday we got a little thing in comic book stores called the official guide to the Hellfire Gala, which we've been hyping up the Hellfire Gala because goddamn, some of those costumes are fucking choice. It's it's really interesting seeing all the work that's going into designing on the looks for this. Yeah, so they've basically some of the costumes have been announced before, and those are the ones I'm posting right now. Sharing with Vac, uh, specifically the Emma Frost three outfits she'll be wearing for the event, as well as the nine outfits that have already been showcased. Uh, being Rogue, Angel, Rachel Summers, Captain Britain, Storm, Kate Pride, uh, can't read her from name, Penance, and Marvel Girl, and Cyclops. We've talked yeah. about these before. They're good. Yeah, they're all really good. Um, I think my favorite is Marvel Girl, just because I'm like, if you take off that long flowing trail, that would just be like a good outfit for her going forward. And just give her some boots instead of uh, uh, some wedges. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we're going into things that we haven't talked about for on the podcast. These are brand new costumes we're looking at. The first four is these guys. Uh, Mastermind, uh, Celeste, Madrox, and Sunspot. So I've heard of Sunspot and Mastermind. Never heard of Celine. And Madrox, I think I've seen, I've read like one or two things. Nah, uh, he's multiple, man. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are, they're pretty good. Mastermind mm -hmm. kind of falls into his uh, uh, Victorian style just mm -hmm. a little bit. Sunspot looks really cool. Madrox straight up looks like Alan Scott Green Lantern. He looks like a Kirby character. Mm -hmm. It's fine. I mean, Kirby's kind of high, uh, high fashion anyway, so it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, there's only a few more like really out there costumes that uh, the rest of them are kind of pretty cool, pretty simple. Uh, the next four is Wolverine X-23, Sync, Cannonball, and Sunfire. Cannonball deadass looks like a, a, a fucking Rebellion-era Jedi, and I'm here for it. I mean, he, he has a nice dope-looking cloak, but he also looks kind of like rural and farm boy. It, it works for him. Uh, Wolverine looks great. I love the, the, the yellow and blue dress on her. Yeah, it's... It's like one of the um the without getting too simpy, one of the sexier female outfits in this. It's also one of the few outfits that I could see like a real person wearing because like mm -hmm. I can't see someone wearing the Maddox costume. Oh my god, could you picture like a a like almost kung fu style fight scene in live action with that that side trail flowing around as like she's spin kicking dudes? Oh yeah, Sink's outfit looks fucking dope. I love that jacket. Mm -hmm. uh, Sunfire also looks pretty dope, but he always has a pretty dope style uh, going on for him. Next, the one that fucking broke the internet for a day or two. <laughs> fucking my daddy and yours, Colossus. I'm so God, happy. No. I'm so happy for Peter because, like, the last time I fucking read anything with him, he was getting left at the altar by Kate. And look at look at how he's doing now. Look at how far this boy has come. God damn, he this uh, this is probably one of the best put together things in this whole event so far. Mm -hmm. 
This goddamn, the beard looks great. The mesh button-up shirt, it's sick. The very mutant-style fashion, like, skin-tight pants. Mm-hmm. Oh, the little Russian touches just all over the whole thing. It's just nice. It's sick. Have, like, okay, so this is a little off-topic, but has Hickman's era touched on Kate leaving Peter at the altar at all? Have they met back up since that? No, time? I haven't seen it. Mostly, Peter's been kind of avoiding uh, the limelight. He's just been wanting to work on the uh, Krokoan farm. He just doesn't. He just doesn't want to deal with X Men shit in general. Like they'll drag him in on a, a mission or two every once in a while, and he goes like, "Yeah, no, I'll help out." But he's very much like, "I'm a farmer. I want to be a farmer. Can I be a farmer?" Yeah, cool. I just you know what? Good for him. But like, he comes in every once in a while. Uh, and then we have this is X Factor. Uh, that whole group, and, they, and there's some good outfits here. I like probability. Uh, probability. Or, sorry, I might not have read that. Uh, God, that is small font. The 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 African American woman in yellow. Well, that's a dude. All right, that's Prodigy. Ah, um, I know nothing of that character. He has mutant ability to base. Basically, he turns everybody else's knowledge and skills into cloud storage, and he can access it. <laughs> like Ooh. he has psychic ability. He has telepathic abilities, but it's only for like skills and knowledge. Like, he can't access feelings and emotion. It's just like, oh, you know how to fix a toilet. Sweet, I know how to fix a toilet now. Gotta admire uh, Dawkins' fucking half-assed suit. I mean, it fits Dawkins' character, because 90% yeah. of the time, he's just wearing pants and no shirt. It's like, it's a it's a, it's a a godsend that he's wearing shirt anyway. Somebody walks up to him, and they're like, why are your cuffs like that? Why aren't you wearing shoes? And he's like, look, this is trying for me, Okay. Yeah, uh, North Star has a pretty solid uh, get up going. Mm-hmm. Uh, his sister also has like a phenomenal looking dress with a very very flowy uh, bottom. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, Polaris looks very stiff and uncomfortable. Yep. Uh, also, I love Eye Boy's outfit because it it accentuates his mute mutation, which is what a lot of these outfits are trying to do, and it he just really looks, kinda... he looks like a goddamn Gen Five legendary Pokemon. Yeah, but I like it. I think it it really looks cool with him. It's dope because normally he also looks a little bit goofy. He, he he he's he's just kind of a goofy character. He's that kind of person. But to see him like put in like not necessarily he he's more sensual. He's more adult. He's more mature in that costume. Mm. Uh, and then there's these guys, Marauders. So Bishop looks dope. Hell yeah, Bishop looks like a fucking luchador. I love it. Uh, Sebastian Stan, he he looks pretty cool. I like the 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 fur f- frock behind him. Pyro looks looks looks, looks like fucking um uh, Orville Peck. Yeah. Uh, Banshee think... looks dope in his suit. Oh hell yeah! I want. Ban- I I I would love it if that's just Banshee's casual clothes from now on. And then we have Iceman, which has been slightly contentious every place I've uh, I've seen these costumes depicted. I mean, the man was a guest host on Drag Race. Yeah, I I like the costume. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with Iceman wearing a dress. It, it, it's fine, whatever. I think the biggest problem is the train. The train is going for a thing, but I don't think it nails it. Because what it's reminding me of is Iceman gliding. You know, when he does the whole glide thing. Yeah. It just well, like, it, it just goes off the page. 
Is he just going to leave a trail of snow behind him all throughout the gala hall? <laughs> yeah, but it just looks too it looks too loose. If it was tightened up a little bit, mm-hmm. I think it would look better. Also, yeah. it look, it has this very similar silhouette to Prodigy, which is kind of I wouldn't say it, it's just we 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 saw something like that. And now we're getting into some of the Hellions. So here is Psylocke, Mr. Sinister, Havoc, and Exodus. Good Christ, these are the most extra ones I've seen so far. But, like, they're not extra and, like, oh, extravagance. It's just extra and, like, there's so much shit on them. Yeah, like, how is how is Sinister even supposed to move? I mean, it makes sense for Sinister to wear that, though. I could see Sinister wearing that on a normal day. Same thing with Exodus. I like the jacket on Havoc. It looks cool. No, no, Havoc's the most normal one out of the bunch. I could see him wearing that normally. Yeah. And I like the kind of uh, a cherry blossom effect Psylocke has on her dress. It's, it looks cool. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, another really good one is Mystique's Mystique's gown Ooh. because uh, uh, supposedly the part of the design is you're not supposed to know where the dress ends and her shape shifting begins. I can see that. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe of it. But it's a really good Mystique design. It's really classy. It's really elegant. Mm-hmm. It, it is really like like classy 60s uh six-year-old lesbian going to a fancy party vibes yeah and i mean that's kind of what mystique is at this point mystique is mystique has gone past the cool lesbian aunt and now she's the bitchy lesbian grandma yeah and then there's these uh dazzler's probably the most disappointing costume of all of them yeah i mean like dazzler's supposed to be the mutant lady gaga so just having it be sparkles around like a kind of floaty, floaty pantsuit, nah. Yeah, low well, is okay. It's it's a lionfish. Mm-hmm. That Ooh. that that looks like something I would see in real life, though. You know. Yeah. Mercury's just like she's using her mutant ability to make a cool costume. Mm-hmm. They're fine. They're okay. Not groundbreaking, but they're fine. They pass, I guess. Uh, like we like we're any harbiters of fashion. I know what I like, and I see what I like when I see. Holy crap, Nightcrawler! Yeah, let's go! I love Nightcrawler's design. I want a fucking figure of that Nightcrawler look, dude. It's so good. He just looks like a classic kind of like adventurer captain of a ship. Ship. He has a fucking cane. He looks great. He's like he's like fucking Zoro when Zoro needs to dress up to go out. It is. It is very class. It's very nice. Very, very evocative. Pixie also looks really good. Mm-hmm. Pixie is more simple, but it's a simple that works. Unlike Dazzler, where it's just kind of meh. I think. I think the big thing is because Pixie's hair and wings kind of adds a nice contrast to the simple black lace dress that she's wearing. Yeah, I mean it's classic color contrast of black on pink. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, next, we're getting into some. New Mutants. So why don't we look at them? Uh, here we have Mirage, Karma, Warlock, Magic, and Warpath. Mirage looks pretty cool. It's kind of a mix between uh, her Native American heritage and the fact that she is a Valkyrie. Yeah, I dig it. It works. Uh, um, fucking Warlock. Or not. Yeah, Warlock just fucking looking like a goddamn Looney Tune. I love it. That's just what Warlock looks like. I love it. Uh, I Karma, Karma's dress seems very like real world, but it it works. 
He looks like the fucking little girl from Phineas and Ferb. I can get that vibe. I also love the uh, not hiding the uh, prosthetic leg because she has a in the comics she has a prosthetic leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, magic looks great because it's a great combination between her like biker bitch attitude with a flowing uh, like ethereal dress floating above her and demon horns. I mean, I get it, but it's not my kind of look. No, I it is definitely a look that I feel like would look better. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh, yeah. If it was just constantly flowing, even when she's in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warpath looks cool. Warpath is n- neat. Uh, the spiky shoulders are maybe a bit much. Yeah, but like, they're fine. Mm-hmm. They vibe with the, the whole look. They vibe with the fit. Uh, and now we're getting some more. Let's continue. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so first up, we have Magneto and just a full... Yes, <laughs> King, yes. White tuxedo, military emblazoned uh, top with like gold scarves around him, a golden cane, a top hat. This is very reminiscent of his look in House of M. Mm, yeah. Uh, Frenzy looks pretty cool. Her her whole fit looks nice. It's very it's very kind of like sash based dress. I don't think I know either of these other three characters. Uh, I only know Wizkid a little bit. Mm. Uh, Wizkid's dope. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of like it's purposely meant to be kind of a novelty fit so like he has a weird sci-fi space helmet on and he's it's just like a goofy kind of jimmy neutron thing yeah but the suit's fine i like the color yeah i vibe with it Mm -hmm. uh and then we have uh kimura which i think is the wife of cypher i don't know probably not i don't remember her her she her alpha looks fine no that's the new uh, addition to Sword. She's an assassin with like a explodey heart thing. She's oh, from okay. Morocco. She's from Morocco. Okay. She's not an Earth mutant. She's been on ba- like fucking fighting in hell for like centuries. Oh, so she's got the same backstory as Magic. Yeah. No, Magic was only fighting in hell for like ten years, mm. and now she's control of Limbo. And now we have another one of my favorites. This is Manifold. Now, you probably don't know much about Manifold. I've never heard of this person. He's Aboriginal uh, Australian. Oh, okay. Um, and basically, his mutant ability is to talk to the universe. What? What's this Grant Morrison? <laughs> I don't know. I know. I think Grant Morrison made, like, his cousin, who's Gateway. Like, co- mm-hmm. he, like family with him. But basically, his, like he talks to the universe, and that means he can, like, make pocket universes for himself. He can travel long distances. He can... He can like like skip reality for a little bit. Like he can talk to the universe and the universe is his friend. And it's a nice, it's a good looking costume. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I just it, can't it, get over. He can talk to the universe. That's like such fucking new agey bullshit. I love it. Um, it's really he's dope. I like his character so far. And what I've read of Sword, he's in, he's a major character in Sword. Also, I really enjoy how uh, every design it has the fashion designer attached to it we haven't been talking about it but like the manifolds designed by uh, valero uh Shiti. yeah because they they brought in real fashion designers for this didn't they yeah they brought in real fashion designers and basically go like here's our comic book character here's some of their powers and let's work with the writers and the artists to kind of come up with looks and it's like it works so well mm-hmm. and agree it it's like it's like a good version of storm's wedding dress 
Because, like, remember when Storm and Black Panther got married and, and Marvel made a huge fucking deal out of the fact that they got, like, a legit name wedding dress designer to make Storm's wedding dress? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's cool, but that is so, like, complicated and weird, no bride would actually wear that. Yeah, no. Get them to design a character design. Don't make real clothes out of this. It's yeah. simple things I can go, like, yeah, no, make something out of that. Like, Manifold's whole vibe... Yeah, you can make a you can make a real outfit out of that. I could see people cosplaying manifold. Yeah, but like Mystique's outfit, no one's gonna ever want to wear that. That is pure high fashion. That is only made for the runway. That is not made for nights out. You know. Yeah. Uh, next, uh, we have Gambit and Jubilee. Gambit, I like his vibe. It's very yeah. roguish. That is that is very Gambit. Um. Jubilee is maybe a bit plain, but I can see what it's going for. It's also like trying to show that Jubilee is not just like the kid sidekick anymore. She's mature. She's yeah. she's grown up a little bit. She's a single mom and she's making it work. She's a single mom of a human on a mutant nation. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be weird. But it, it's a good vibe. I like it. I dig it. I also like uh I also like Gambit kind of having like a kimono, not wearing it, but like sloped around his shoulders like a cloak. Yeah, like kind of the uh oh, what's the 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 kind of yakuza boss look. Yeah. And that makes sense because uh his history with uh, the Thieves Guild in New Orleans. Mhm. Then we have Monarch. That's just a straight up comic book design. That like you could just My that God. That's cool though. Yeah. It's dope. He, it's just white on white on white. The very kind of like rustic shoes that are just like bandages the crown yeah. it's a cool vibe and then uh, fucking glimmer who's just like princess zelda with fairy wings it's a look i dig it it's just a, it's a little ren fair yeah no it's uh, cute i like it uh richter looks pretty cool yeah uh, it's a pattern suit meant to look like a forest with a, a cloak on top like a druid it's dope it's nice a little bit of like a, a pauldron on his uh, chest yeah it makes sense given what they've been going with for richter lately yeah, it's dope. I dig it. Uh, and then we have the essentially the the rest because these aren't meant to be like high fashion pieces. These are they're just working security. So it's very kind of mutant uh, aesthetic designs of suits. Wolverine with the fucking bolo tie. What a yeah! No, they're all wearing bolo ties. They are wearing bolo. Oh, that's great. But like it's a it's a nice vibe, but it's just, they're they're working security. They're not meant there to be pretty. They're not there there to be fun. They just need to be able to move about and do their job. And Professor X, oh my god, he He's looks like Magneto. Yeah, and he also looks like fucking Daft Punk in full DJ mode. Oh yeah, no, it has Daft Punky. I saw someone compare it to like uh, Mr. T. Mm-hmm. I like it though. It has a semi-organic vibe on the limbs and the gauntlets. It's it's a nice look for a, like a party, but it's not like a, oh, this should be the way Professor X looks all the time. Yeah, but like no, I like the suits. I like I like Kid Omega. He looks pretty cool. He looks nice, clean. I mean, when doesn't Kid Omega look like the coolest guy in the room? Yeah, and when doesn't he tell you, hey, I'm the coolest guy in the room, <laughs> ruining the whole image? <laughs> Kid uh, Omega is the best fucking shit. I love Kid Omega. 
Uh, the best, uh, the best lie Kelly Thompson ever told is that a relationship between him and Gwenpool would work. Oh, man. No, I, Kid Omega's actually been going through a character arc recently. Yeah, you've told me about that. I'm excited to get to that. Yeah, yeah, But that is all of the outfits. So, Zach, do you think they did a good job infusing high fashion into the X-Men? It's pretty good. I like it. What's your favorite fit? What's your favorite outfit? It's gotta be Nightcrawler, dude. I mean, you, my reaction, I flipped out when I saw it, and I'm like, yeah, I want an action figure of that. Oh, yeah, Nightcrawler is good. I think Nightcrawler's one of the best men. Colossus is up there. We don't even have a regular Nightcrawler figure yet, and I'm just like, yeah, give me that one right now. And that's oh, kind of yeah. like, that's the vibe fucking Hickman's X-Men is giving me in general. It's like, all right, we got our Hawkspox wave. Where's my Dawn of X wave? Where's my X of Swords wave? Where's my Reign of X wave? Come on. Two X-Men waves a year. Fuck any nostalgic bullshit now. Let's just keep doing current. Give me all the X-Men. This X-Men run has just been phenomenal. I love yeah, because I'm up to Dawn of X Volume 6 now, and I guess we're just rolling into my shit. But uh, oh, it's so good, dude. It's like, there's <sighs> there's a few things I'm skipping. Like, I'm skipping the Space New Mutant stuff, because I don't care about X-Men Space stuff, unless unless Hickman makes it important. That That um, is important. That Hickman wrote that. I'll start skimming the Space New Mutant stuff. I'm definitely fucking skipping every issue of Fallen Angels because it is so not my aesthetic. Oh, yeah. No, it's done. You you finished Volume 6. You're done. There's no more. You're good. Yeah. You don't have like, to worry literally, about literally after the third, halfway through the third issue, I just said, you know what? I'm just going to start flipping past this. I'm not even going to look at it. Yeah. Uh, um, so what's some of the last things that you've seen in these books so i can uh, so i know where to kind of bring my memory back and talk about the last issue of marauders i saw ended with sebastian shaw ambushing kitty pride and it looked like she drowned but i know she doesn't drown because you've told me stuff that happens later yeah no kate, i think kate pride sorry asterisk kate pride yeah i think she does die though oh cool so Remember. they can th this is where we figure out professor x can bring her back yeah it was just like a weird thing um, but like, there's that, what do you think about the horticulturists, the, the grannies? They were fucking hilarious. I'm, fucking I'm crazy. really interested to see where they go. Um, on like just the way they have like a combative, non-combativeness with the mutants when they actually show up the fucking, like just open disdain they have for Emma Frost and her dress sense and Emma <laughs> Frost fucking like a ghast reaction to it. Well, Cyclops is trying not to laugh. It's the best <laughs> thing ever. God damn. Someone just going like, bitch, you extra to Emma. It's just the best. And she's like, how dare you? <laughs> the issue before that too is really good. Cause it's just fucking, it's here's, here's the summer's family dynamic right now. Here's Scott taking his kids for a day out, which was really welcome to me because I've been really curious about those kids and what their characters was was like so far and it's like yeah no they're just kids they've got weird backstories but they're just kids and i'm like great awesome Love they it. just they just fall okay so you read the the scene where cyclops and wolverine are going like hey man are you are you getting hot under the covers are you okay do we need to do anything about this i read that scene and i was like based glad i finally got to read it um, but no, the real, the real, the real like kind of shock moment of that issue for me was the revel was the revelation that Krakoa Fox 
Krakoa Fox. Everybody, <laughs> the whole thing, Fox. <laughs> it's just one big fuck machine. Uh, uh, you can I do like I do like how uh, the opening arc of Excalibur ended with Rogue basically going like, "Yeah, I love you, Gambit. I'm glad we're married, and I definitely want to keep fucking, but not really interested in having a kid." And, and I feel like the like, okay. entertain the thought was because of how how like fucking make more mutants is a law right now. And he's like, "Yeah, no, it's cool. Can't no one tell tell us what to do, baby. We're just gonna hang out and be be awesome." Who cares? Also, just really enjoy that arc of Excalibur because it's just it goes very far places, and most of it's just going like Apocalypse. What are you doing? Hold on one minute. I will explain in a minute. Apocalypse. You said that a minute ago. I'll explain in a minute. It's, it's good stuff. Like, and it's dragging me through a lot of characters that I'm not really familiar with, and getting me familiar with them. Like, because I didn't know shit about the fucking Captain Britain shit, and like now I'm like. Yeah, no, we we stand Captain Britain. She's based. Uh, oh yeah, the, and that's uh, also the, her brother is dope. Her brother's like kind and like understanding. It's like I love the first scene in the Excalibur with, with them because she's like packing up, getting ready to go to Kakoa, and she just goes like, "Hey, you can come with us." Like, I mean, you're human, but like we are allowed to bring humans with us. Like, if they're friends and family, like you, you're invited. And he goes like, "No, no, no, this is your thing. I want you to." I don't want to feel like I don't want you to feel like I'm imposing myself onto your thing. Mm-hmm. Go be yourself. Go be happy. And then, the, and then the scene at the end of the arc where he's just like, "Yeah, no, I got tested to see if I could be Captain Britain again. I fucking failed like an idiot. I feel like shit." And she's like, "I'm really sorry. Do you need a hug?" Yeah, I kind of do. But I like how he's also not a, not a hero anymore. He's still a hero. He can still fight and do good. Mm-hmm. He's just like he's Captain Britain B, where she's Captain Britain A now. Right. Also, fun thing about that costume that he was wearing with the lion on it—that's mm-hmm. the first Captain Britain costume. They read it like they I brought it. I thought I recognized it. Yeah, it was just kind of a cool thing. It's like, oh, that's dope. Uh, I like Richter's dealing with depression and Apocalypse being the best fucking therapy dad. That was so good, dude. I was so there for that. Genuinely, I love Apocalypse in this bit of comics. Just because it's like, oh, it's very obvious you're kind of a dick, but you're not being a dick right now, so it's like kind of fun. And and you you almost feel happy for him because he's coming at it from the mentality of, oh, I can finally be nice to you guys instead of trying to browbeat you into understanding how things have to be. Sick. Let me hug everyone. Genuinely, like. Apocalypse feels like a genuinely good guy throughout this. And you're reminded, no, that's Apocalypse. He he hurt people. And it's like, shit, you're right. But look, he's trying to help Richter with his depression. Ah. Like, and don't don't tell me if this happens, but I'm low-key hoping for an issue that's just a conversation between him and Warren Worthington fucking airing grievances and settling shit. Not really. All right. I was, I'm just gonna rip that band-aid off, not really. All right, that's fine. Rip it off for you real quick. But I'm like, no. oh, that would be st- that would be so good though. Like, imagine that fucking Spider-Man J Jonah Jameson issue where you were into, yeah. but it's those two. Ooh. Uh, yeah. No, like genuinely, the, the the first bit of it can be a little bouncy because the whole group is just trying to set up a bunch of fucking plot points, so it doesn't feel like it sticks to one thing for very long. Yeah. Hey, uh, Jubilee. 
you've got a human baby on an island full of mutants. Don't you think that's not the best idea? Anyway, let's go deal with this now. Anyway, he's a dragon now. What? He's a dragon now. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. Just accept it. It's great. Yeah, it's comic. Uh, Shut up. Yeah. Uh, is it, X-Force has been part of that run, hasn't it? Yeah, I've read the first arc of X-Force as well, and that is... That's probably my least favorite of the ones I'm still invested in. Like, it's not bad, it's just not entirely my thing. Some of the, like, overly gruesome deaths are a little bit like, yeah, okay, I get it, you're trying to go a little harder because it's X-Force, but... Mm. Um, but also, also, Quentin, though! Quentin! I've only just started uh, seeing Quentin's arc, so I'm like, yeah, okay, Quentin, you're here, that's cool. I know you from West Coast Avengers, so hopefully something cool happens with you. Oh, wait, I know something cool is going to happen with you, so I'll be patient. But also, why'd you have to do Domino dirty like that? Oh, man. Uh, how far into Domino's story did you get? Uh, the The issue where there's a bunch of people attacking Professor X's fucking plant farm... And they have to go and stop it. Okay, so you haven't finished Domino's story. No, I'm nowhere near finished with Domino's story, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But goddamn, no. They did it is it is painful what they did to Domino. It's mm-hmm. it's it's tragic. It's nothing makes you fucking hate humanity worse than reading X-Men books. <laughs> uh but no, it's all it's all very good, and uh, you know, we, we talked about it on MWP a little bit, but uh there has been a large spike in uh marvel character simping in my neighborhood is oh, all man. i will say can, we, can you go through a small list a smattering let's just you know what why don't i just give you a full fucking list why don't we just do it okay so first and foremost captain kate pride how okay. how how was it not gonna happen how was it not gonna happen she's just captain marvelous but a girl of course i'm gonna fall for that Goddamn, she's great in this. She's great in Marauders. Um, uh, I don't know if it's like if it's like uh, I want to hit that kind of a thing, but more like I respect that kind of thing. Jubilee, yeah, uh, Jubilee has uh, a, has fun vibes. Uh, I've always low key liked Domino. I've just never gotten super into her history, so that's that's a large part of why I was so upset that they did her like that. I was like, no, Domino, you don't deserve this. Yeah, no, uh, but that's but that's the vibe they're going for. It's like nobody deserves this to be put through this bullshit. Um, getting back to Marauders for a second, uh, I really fucking love this Storm costume design, and Storm is just Storm is just always the epitome of a strong black woman who you want to follow. She's also like very like, oh, my friend is trying to work through shit. Fuck it, I'm here for her. Mm-hmm. I'm just fucking here for her. You need me? I'm here. You need me over there? I'm there. She's and just then, like the best friend. And then weirdly enough, uh, from the from the Earth issues of New Mutants, and I've never liked this. I've always disliked this character before, but uh, I'm kind of here for Boom Boom. I kind of want to see Boom Boom get a big redemption arc. Like go, I want to see her get sober and get her shit together. Damn it, Boom Boom is great in this because <laughs> she also recognizes. My life has been kind of shit. Yeah, she's like, I'm a mess, but I'm still gonna try and help my friends. And Did I'm like, I respect have... it. Also, that midriff. Yeah. Oh, she's still mid 2000s. Like nothing's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. 
lot of yeah, but, a lot of good characters in these X books. I mean, like I've been like because I'm a toy collector, I've been trying to book out like the next free waves of Marvel Legends X Men Hickman shit, and I just keep stuffing the waves full of waifus. <laughs> give give like, me all I need, I need Kate. I need Storm. I need Boom Boom. I need Modern Jubilee. Give me give me my girls. I need, I need Captain Britain. Give me give me. Yes, uh, oh, how did I not talk about Betsy? Betsy I Cap would Britain. die. I I would die for Betsy Batrock. <laughs> Goddamn the 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 sadness she feels at what she did to fucking Psylocke for all those years. Uh huh. The fucking remorse, and she just can't fucking deal with it, and just goes like, "I'm going to the fucking lighthouse and going on an adventure with Apocalypse." Bye. First issue where they just straight up agree, like, "Yeah, let's just not talk to each other for a very long time." Cause like they like they both know like that was a whole fucked up situation. I'm glad it's fixed. Cause that's a that's a weird fucking part of like Marvel history. I didn't even know that was a thing until this run. Cause I'd never even gotten into Psylocke. I was just like, yeah, she's a fucking '90s fetish character. She was an apoc a uh, horseman of apocalypse. Who fucking cares? Whatever. But like she being the one of the most prominent Japanese characters. With, with the brain and personality and the uh, memories of a, a white woman from England. What? Yeah. <sighs> it's fixed now. We're good. They're, yeah. they're giving uh, Psylocke a bunch of shit to do, and she's uh, she's a bad bitch in charge. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, she's in charge of the, uh, the Hellions, which is, oh, all of you are psychopaths? Sweet, you're our suicide squad. <laughs> uh... But yeah, no, uh, Hick- Hickman's X-Men continues to be great for me. Um, I don't have any new uh, Marvel figures to talk about this week. Okay, cool. Uh, so that's kind of your wrap-up of Dawn of X so far? Uh, yeah, I finished Volume 6 on Wednesday, watched it right after Dynamite, and then went to sleep, and... Uh, I'll probably read volume seven tomorrow if I uh if I'm not doing too much other shit. Uh I'm trying to I'm trying to do a volume a night because uh I got so invested in it that I did the thing I occasionally do and I go on a pirating site and I just start reading it through that because I can't wait. I can't I can't I don't have the money and I can't wait for the trades to come in the mail. Uh well. You'll buy them eventually. We'll all it, buy them eventually. I mean, I already started the the collection. I've got I've got Hox Pox and Volumes One through Four, so I'm gonna have to get the rest of it eventually. Yeah. So why don't we talk about some of the comics I read? I, of course, read the the current X Men stuff that happened this week. So Cable, it was all Cable was all set up for future stuff. Just kind of building up more of the things that they're doing in that book. Uh, and New Mutants, which again, it's just more more X Men stuff setting up, building off things. But I also read issue two of Beta Ray Bill, which Beta was a uh, fucking solid. Yeah, tell, tell me more details about that because I only know a little bit. Okay, so basically, the story of Beta Ray Bill, this this little mini series, is Thor broke Beta Ray Bill's uh, Stormbreaker, and Stormbreaker was able to turn Beta Ray Bill back into a regular looking Corbinite, basically no horse face. Okay. And so Beta Ray Bill's a little sad about this because it was like, oh man, I, I like looking at least somewhat normal for some time of the day, you know? Yeah. I liked it. And it really 
blew it all, uh, blew it out of the water when he tried to get busy with Sif because they had a little bit of a thing going and Sif basically went like, eh, no, nah, not right now. And he just goes like, it's the horse face, isn't it? Oh, it's the no. horse face. Wow, Sith. Wow. And so he basically goes to Thor and goes like, can we solve this? And Thor goes like, not really, buddy. I don't know how to do it. And basically, Beta Ray Gold goes like, all right, I'm leaving right now so I can go find Odin because he's still alive. We know this. And so he can help me fix my fucking hammer so we can so I can get back to looking somewhat normal and not feel like a fucking freak. So this issue, he's on this adventure, and he finds the fucking um the dude he was in the MC he was in Ragnarok Scourge. He finds Scourge. Yeah, uh, the executioner. The executioner, yeah. And he's just in a bar, and he's like, "Yo, what's up, Bill? You're dope." And Bill explains the situation and goes like, "Fuck, that's fucked, man, dude. I'm helping you. You don't have to help me. This is a long journey. No, dude, fuck it, fuck it. I'm your friend. I'm helping you." Let's go. We're doing this. We're fighting Odin. Let's do this. <laughs> and then another uh, Asgardian kind of character, he's not Asgardian, he's a troll, called Pip, shows up and goes like, hey man, I kind of stowed away. I, I, I'm I, your friend. Uh, I know what it's like to feel ugly by the world. I am a troll. So like, hopefully I get some catharsis by proxy by working with you and helping you achieve your goal. And it's like, all right, cool. We got the, we got the band. We got the figure, thing figured out. So they go on a thing and they're trying to find Odin and they eventually get to this run down ass biker bar and they're and they go, roll up and go like, hey, we're looking for Odin. And the guy goes like, now nah, there ain't no Odin here. And they get into a bar fight and then Beta Ray Bill does that fucking Rainmaker. Like full on, like not even like a hey, like uh, just a lariat. He full on does the, the wind up and the fucking thing with the uh, Rainmaker. Excellent. It is a full on Rainmaker. Um, and then... A big dude with a white beard pops out of the background and goes like, "Hey, what are y'all fuckers doing in my fucking bar?" And it's Odin, and it's like just has a bar now. No, he's just working with the dude because he's just like, "Yeah, no, he lets me fucking brew beer in the back. It's sick." <laughs> Is Odin having a midlife crisis? I mean, Odin's having retirement. Oh, he's for retired. Him. And so Beta Rebuild goes like, "All right, Odin." Can you fix my hammer? And if you can't fix my hammer, can you make me a new hammer? And Odin goes like, I can't fix your hammer. That was made by dwarves with a star. and You know the whole thing. I just can't make a new one. I'm not capable of that. I'd have to get some other people and they're not around anymore. Uh, I can't enchant you anymore because I don't have that magic. And Thor doesn't know how to use that magic. So that's not working right now. But I, I do know of one thing that could solve this. And that would be the Blade of Surtur. You know, the guy who destroyed your home planet? Yeah, what's if he you, up to? What's he been kicking around with these days? He's not showing up. Surtur's not showing up. They're just looking for his sword, which is in, uh, not Hell. It is Nephilim. It's, it, it is lava and everything's just fucked up everywhere, you know? So he's like, all right, you can go here and get the sword and it'll probably have enough power to do what you want you know mm. so now we have a goal we have the we have the beginning we have the end we have a goal we know what we're doing now they're going to this place uh oh yeah no here's the uh here's the page where uh beta ray does the thing 
Hold on. I didn't get it right. Copy. Uh, this is the page where Beta Ray Bill is a full-on Rainmaker. Rain, for people who don't know, Rainmaker is a, a pro wrestling move done by Okada. Yeah, Okada, the boy. The big boy. The babysitter of the box. <laughs> yeah, that's sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean the the guy who drew this and I think he's writing it is a is a big wrestling fan, and basically they're just deciding, yep, yeah, nope, we're going into this hell dimension, and they run across like guards that Odin put in place to go like, hey, uh, fucking uh, nobody's supposed to go through here, but Odin gave us the okay, so you guys are allowed in. Just be warned, uh, you don't come out the same way. It's fucked up in there. You're gonna go through some shit. And everybody and like Beta Ray just looks at his like teammates and goes like, "All right, cool, I'm going in. You guys stay here." And they both just look at him and go like, "No, bitch, we're in this together." And it's just like real cool bro moments. It's just really nice. It's dope. Nice. Musel, Musfelheim. That's the place that they're going. Musfelheim. Oh yeah, no. And so they go through this hell dimension and they're they're floating in space for a bit, and then Scuttlebutt kind of freaks out for a bit and they're going like oh shit what's happening the ship's freaking out and then beta beta ray bill's looking at the screens going like the ship's power is offline trying to find the engine backups and his friends are like trying to get his attention bill bill and then i'm just going to send you this page real quick so you can kind of see for yourself just just give it a minute folks just uh so he can see it all right, Drossel is Marvel canon now. That's cool. Yeah, no. Uh, Scuttlebutt has a, a a humanoid form now, and it's a it's an attempt at a sexy robot lady. But not quite. <laughs> I mean, it's an attempt. There, like I can see people getting off to that. I mean, it's Joe Costa with a bad hair day, basically. It's Joe Costa, but a little bit more sci-fi. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, a good issue. This is dope. It's doing interesting things with Beta Ray Bill. Nice. Which doesn't uh, happen a ton. Uh, happen a ton. The other thing I read is uh, from the boy Donnie Cates. Yeah, Mac Cross- Daddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crossover. Uh, I've talked about this a couple times. Um, crossover is at the best way to describe it is it's is it's a crisis, but for indie comics. Because <laughs> like the basic premise is uh, in Colorado in Denver, um, something weird happens, and basically a portal to every comic book universe appears and everybody starts pouring out and it's like just crazy. It's wild. It's wacky. And now these group of guys are trying to get back into it to put one of these comic book characters, just a little girl back through the thing so she can reunite with her parents. All right. So they're going through and they're just meeting a bunch of old Donny Cates and D characters and like Madman's been there, you know, the whole nine yards. And then we get a panel that I posted in uh, my my Discord server, which is just goddamn glorious. Here's your poster. Gonna... Here's your poster that everybody who licensed a character to this book is going to be selling on their art store now. Because it is like it is straight up indie comic crisis. Because I'm posting the picture so I can show share it with Vac uh, right now. Mm-hmm. But dead center, you have. The Savage Dragon going head to head with Witchblade, you know, Witchblade, the, the sexy alien costume lady. To the left of them, you have Darkness from the same creator of Witchblade. Behind them is the girl from uh, Fairyland. I can't remember the name of the comic, but it's like Fairyland Sucks or something. 
Is that glory in the background there? Probably. Uh, below all that is the dude from fucking Chew. Nice. You know Chew, the guy who can like eat things and know where it's from and eat mm. in this crime thing. To the right of him is one of my favorite comic book characters of all time, Luther Strode. Okay. Up above them, standing on a building, is fucking Battle Pope from Robert Kirkman. I know. And if you look to the to kind of to the top left, you see four silhouettes of uh, the shelled characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're kind of owned by Nickelodeon right now, but they're here in spirit. In, oh no! Look in the back. There's obvious Galactus. There's obvious Fantastic Four. There's obvious Hulk. <laughs> Fucking the foreground is just filled with walking dead zombies. Okay, it took me a second to realize what they were from when I was reading it because I was like, oh, zombies, whatever, it's just zombies. And then I continued reading it and I was like, wait a second, these zombies are in black and white. That's weird. Holy shit, they're from The Walking Dead. It was just <laughs> like, oh, oh my god, a dude from uh, Black Hammer shows up? Yeah, I read Colonel the first Weird. couple issues of Black Hammer, I like that. Colonel Weird from Black Hammer? Mm-hmm. And, like, they're there, and, like, there's another character from another indie comic. I'm not sure what it is. I don't recognize her. But, like, okay. It's fucking I, Invincible isn't in this page. Oh, he's probably going to be in later, because this story is continuing. Oh, my like, God. I'll explain later. Because I thought it was a six-issue miniseries. That's what it said at the beginning. I was like, oh, my God. She Did it get up. extended? Did it get... Oh, my God! Yeah, fucking Hit Girl shows up. Chloe Grace Moretz, hooray! And, like, literally they say, holy shit, is that Hit Girl? This is the best day of my life. And she just goes on a violent killing spree of zombies. Fucking battle, Dotteru. And, like, they save the girl. Oh, my God. And, okay, so Donny Cates created basically Superman, but he's only super when he's drunk. As, like, a metaphor for addiction and everything kind of character. Mm -hmm. So he shows up, and look who he's fighting. It, the, the picture is loading. Just look who he's fighting, though. <laughs> it's a dude in black silhouette, but he has red boots, blue pants, and a red cape with two red eyes poking out. And I wonder who that curl in his hair. I wonder who that could be. Mm-hmm. God damn, there's so much of, oh, I wonder who that could be throughout this whole book. It's so good. But, like, they, they're trying to run away. But eventually, like the 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 mentor dad kind of character gets gets crushed, and the guy goes like, "Hey, take care of take care of the main female character." They get to a hotel, and he's going like, "Holy shit, we this is fucking sh- wild!" And like he's going, the the main male character is going like, "I want to help you. I, I want to help you get back to your parents, back uh, wherever they are. I promise to help you." And she reveals something specific. That she's not real. She is a comic book character as well. Because that's how they define who's comic and who's real in this book. Is if they have the comic book stippling, that means they're a comic book character. Is she a is she a known character from Invincible? No idea. She's just wearing an Invincible uh, shirt. So mm. I'm not sure yet. Mm. But I love the, the credits page because it says like, oh, Donny Kate's story, Jeff Shaw... Art uh, gives all the uh, gives all the normal. I'm trying uh, to think of like known blondes from Invincible, but I just haven't read enough of it. Oh, I'm that's like, really cool. I, I didn't know. Being like, shit, was Duplicate a blonde? 
No. Uh, Mark Wade uh, did story edits. Hey. But no, like, there, it's pretty cool because, like, in the credits, there's a thing. Thank you for letting us play with your toys. Michael Allred, Madman. Uh, I am Betterman, a Tomahawk. Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Avon Oming, Powers. Kurt Busick, Astro City. Uh, Carrie Gillen, Jamie McLevin, uh, The Wicked and Divine. Justin Jordan, uh, Jordan Moore, Luther Strode, Robert Kirkman, Battle Pope, Eric Larson, Savage Dragon, Chew, Black Hammer, Evangeline, Berserkers, Bloodstrike, Blood Wolf, Brigade, Glory, Prophet, Hit Girl, Paybacks, Buzzkill, Ghost X, Darkness, Witchblade, Shadowhawk, Incorruptible, I Hate Fairyland. And it's just, it's just like, it's just, it, it's a celebration of like American indie books. Of a like of a certain kind, you know. Mm-hmm. That's sick. And I say there's a continuation because there is, because this was one of the final pages of the issue. No fucking way. The next issue is being written by Chip Zadarsky. Oh shit! <laughs> and here's the best thing: earlier in the book, Chip Zadarsky became a fugitive because he wrote superhero books and everybody was going after superhero creators because they fucking caused this shit to an extent by creating superheroes. I remember you told me about that. That's crazy. It's fucking wild. And it's coming in two months. Ah, I cannot wait that long. You'll have to. So, uh, yeah, Crisis on Infinite Indies. (laughs) Um... Can I bring things back to the mainstream just a little bit real quick? Yeah, tell me about the mainstream bullshit. Um, so we often joke here that I represent the distinguished competition uh, because I am a DC guy at heart. I was born and raised on DC. I didn't get into Marvel until the MCU really started popping off. Um, and we will not hold that against you. Yeah. I'm like, I like, I like Marvel stuff a fair bit, but at my heart... The characters that I love well and truly, and I really feel like I understand more than anything else, is the DC universe, or at least the main line of that universe. There's some fringe stuff. There's a lot of stories I haven't read because I didn't get into comics until my mid-teens. Um, but like I, I knew all the characters already through animation and the few movies there were at that point. Um, and I've been kind of like wanting to dip my toes back into current DC because of this podcast and whatnot. And I've just been waiting for the right moment. And recently I've been seeing people share uh, pages and panels from the new Nightwing run that's going on, which starts at issue 78 of the, uh, the 2016 rebirth uh, series. Um, Although this is now bannered as infinite frontier, because that's DC's new blanket thing they're doing. Um, And uh, it is being written by, Tom Taylor, uh, who is one of the two best writers at DC right now. Like, Morrison is kind of like Eternal God King, but as far as, like, regular mortal writers are concerned, in my opinion, it's Tom King and Tom Taylor. They are the boys. They are the best at writing DC characters right now. Um, Like, admittedly, Tom King can be kind of hit or miss, but... Like, when he hits, he really hits, and Tom Taylor always brings it. He's always super solid. Like, just go back and read the guy's freaking Injustice tie-in comic. That is way better than it has any damn right to be. And I'm saying that as somebody 
who hates the initial premise of that book on principle. Um, oh, it's, he's, he's a fucking good boy, and I love him. So I found out he was doing Nightwing, and I was like, all right, that's legit. I've only read a little actual Nightwing here and there. I know Dick Grayson. I like Dick Grayson. So let's let's go ahead and sink our teeth into this, because uh, for those of you who don't know, time for backstory. Um, during Tom King's uh, Batman run, he basically had to jump on a grenade for DC because, okay, here's the thing about being a DC fan. It's basically being a WWE fan. <laughs> oh, God. Because there's there's a lot of really good people at DC who get the characters and know exactly what to do with them and just how to let them create good stories. And then there's a whole sect of Snyder-ass motherfuckers who are constantly trying to fucking break down the characters and reinvent the fucking wheel. Uh, case in point, some editor got a hair up their ass of, like, Dick Grayson is not interesting or relatable anymore. We need to make him more like Damian Wayne and Jason Todd. So let's fucking have him get shot by KGBs, lose his memories, and start driving a cab around Gotham and calling himself Rick Grayson. Because that'll fucking sell books. Jesus yeah, so that was that was like Nightwing for two and a half years, I want to say. Uh, and it started in Tom King's run. He he basically heard about it, and they were trying to get some writer to kick it off. It's like, okay, either we're gonna saddle somebody with this on the Nightwing book, and they'll have to start it, or one of you motherfuckers is gonna start it. Who's it gonna be? And Tom King was just like, I mean, that kind of works with what I'm trying to do with Batman, so fucking yeah, I guess. I'm already doing Heroes in Crisis. How much worse can it get? <laughs> you think I'm hyperbolizing that, but he's basically said that in interviews. Oh, has he said? Ha yes. What has he said? I need to see what he said about Heroes in Crisis. I mean, he's... He's about as nice about it as fucking Hickman is about what Slot did to fuck him over. <laughs> oh, for people who don't know, Slot has basically given the most, uh, most corporate version of fuck this guy ever. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's, man. He's just basically like Tom King's whole attitude is I, I love DC. I love DC characters. I want to write cool DC stories. But this is a very corporate world I'm playing in, so I have to kind of play the corporate game in order to tell those stories. So if an opportunity for me to write another book and make some more money comes by that nobody else wants to do, and I think I might be able to do it, okay, I'll try and turn chicken shit into chicken salad. Yeah. If anybody has to do it, I'd rather me do it and try than anyone else. Mm-hmm that's 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 the whole vibe i get off of him like that may not be true that may be me like interpreting things a little too much but that's the vibe i get but this so this nightwing run picks up after the events of the joker war which is a recent event in the batman books that i did not read uh but basically what i know about it is um a punchline was a thing uh joker's sexy new girlfriend um, her and Harley had a whole whole thing where Harley was basically like, oh, honey, oh, dear, um, we're going to have a lovely conversation in a bar someday. But right now I need to punch you in the face. 
Um, I mean, they they've turned Harley Quinn into their Deadpool. It makes, but like no, having they fixed that. They've pumped the brakes on I, that a lot recently. I mean, she's an anti-hero who makes jokes every once in a while that the heroes don't completely trust. But it push comes to shove, they go like, "All right, cool, you're working with us, whatever." Yeah, that that's what I mean. I don't mean she's like, oh, she's Deadpool. I mean she's fitting the role that Deadpool fills within the 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 the. The, the background characters of Marvel, you know what I mean? I mean, she was the most annoying Deadpool knockoff in the world during the New 52, but ever since, like, midway through Rebirth, they've been pumping the brakes on that and making it more about, like, sort of an atonement slash I love my on-again, off-again girlfriend kind of thing. Yeah. Which is nice. Uh, but that happened. Also in that book, Barbara Gordon got paralyzed again, and I'll talk about that a little more in a moment. And... Dick Grayson got his memories back. Uh, so cool. this run is kind of picking the, mem the the pieces up from that, as well as uh, dealing with the aftermath of Tom King's Batman run, which is another thing that drew me to it, because Dick Grayson wasn't in the last couple issues of that because of what had happened to him. There's basically a scene between Barbara Gordon and, and Batman where they're like, okay, shit's about to go down. Maybe we should try and try and get Rick in on this. And, and he's and Barbara's like, yeah, I already tried. He doesn't want anything to fucking do with us right now. And Bruce is like, that hurts, but fair enough. Um, but, uh, so this run, uh, picks up, first of all, we get, oh, so major spoilers for Tom King's Batman. Alfred fucking dies. Alfred is currently dead in DC continuity because okay. the whole the whole plot of Tom King's Batman run is fucking Thomas Wayne coming into the main continuity and being like, yo, you have a son? You have a shot at being happy in a way I never did? Stop being Batman! You're fucking... This life is hell. It's crazy. You're gonna ruin everything by being Batman. And Bruce Wayne is like, fuck you, I do what I want, and it's working for me. And so the run basically concludes with, all right, son, you didn't fucking listen to me, so now I'm gonna teach you an object lesson. Um, And either you are going to marry Catwoman and settle down, or I'm going to kill everyone in your family one by one, right in front of you. And Alfred's already fucking dead, so you know I'm serious. That was basically the last couple issues of that run. See, here's the thing. At a moment like that, you know it'd be really good? Fucking compromise. All right, I'm going to slow down being Batman, but if, like, the Justice League need me, I'm going to suit up and help them. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of the, the whole point of Tom King's run, and it, it, it really jives with my kind of opinion of Batman, which is that Batman... Okay, we, we've... I've not even fucking started on these Nightwing books, but, like, okay. Yeah. We're talking comics. So, Superman is the nice, helpful friend who's just a guy, but he cares about you, and he always wants to help you as much as he can. Wonder Woman is an enlightened fucking goddess from an otherworldly society who has come here to lead us into the next golden age. Batman is a scared, upset, traumatized kid who's trying as hard as he can not to be that and to stop others from becoming that. Like, Batman is the consummate guy who has childhood trauma and that caused him to get severe 
severely paranoid and manic depressive and he's just fucking dealing with that and that's that's a big theme of tom king's run of like there's a point midway through it where it's like yeah things are nice now you're engaged to catwoman you're gonna you're gonna ha have a nice little life maybe probably but you know what could happen uh you could fall further than you have before and you're gonna have to dig yourself out of that hole because that's the cycle of batman because comics will never allow batman to be happy because then by by fucking editorial ideals batman wouldn't be interesting if he was happy counterpoint batman brave and the bold but that's a different kind of Batman than our modern idea that's of Batman. The best people Batman, like. though, the Batman who understands, like, no, violent, like, justice and friendship working together is a good thing. And that's still a core tenet and a core idea of Batman. But in our more like hyper real idea of modern superheroes, there's also the fact that every once in a while, dude's gonna get into a funk. It's not fucking Marvel. You don't have to be realistic. You're DC. That's the thing that makes people like Batman above all other DC characters is that he's not unlike a Marvel character. If he was a Marvel character, he'd be fucking Moon Knight. You know, the crazy psychopath. I mean, what is Moon Knight if not a parody of Batman? True. But that's what I'm saying is like that. It's a it's a it's a that's why that's I think Grant Morrison gets like. That's why I buy with Grant Morrison version of DC so much. It's because he goes like, no, these are idealized characters that need to be idealized. Yes, Batman is traumatized. Batman's a child, but he's built a happy life. He can be happy. He can have pizza with his boys. Let him have pizza with his yeah, boys. Yeah, and that's the point I'm fucking getting to. The, the, idea, the modern idea of Batman is he has this huge fucking family and he's made as happy a life as a man could possibly have, but he's still the most human of all the superheroes and he can still stumble and he can still fall. But at the end of the day, his family, his fucking boy, his son, his golden child, Dick Grayson is still there to crack jokes and go, it's gonna be okay, dad. Yeah, no, I just don't, I just don't like Batman can't be happy. I hate that fucking mandate from, if it's a mandate from DC. It's definitely a mandate from DC. Like, that's the whole point of Tom King's run is pointing out that mandate and saying, like, okay, here's how we live with that. Because, like, honestly, the best Batman have been, like, the Brian Michael Bendis Batman he did for Walmart, where he's just traveling and is, like, hanging out with Green Lantern going, like, yo, what's up? We're friends. We work together. I haven't read that yet, but that's definitely on my radar. Um, or, like, Batman Brave and the Bold or uh, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But no, I don't deny Batman can be happy in things that feature him interacting with other characters, but his own book should be allowed to get introspective like that, in my opinion. No, but like, it, it, it's a similar vibe that Spider-Man gets into, which I hate hate there too, of, oh, Spider-Man is a fuck-up man-child who fucks up every relationship he's in uh, and can never be happy because, lol, Peter Parker sucks, you know? It's that kind of vibe. See, I that's my understanding of the character, but it doesn't end in "Wall Peter Parker sucks." It ends in Peter Parker gets in his own way because he overthinks everything. But see, like that's like that's what Dan Slott did all the time was that he was like Peter Parker never got a win, and Peter Parker needs to win like seven percent, like seven out of ten times. Peter Parker's 
Peter Parker gets it. He doesn't always stick the landing. Mm-hmm. But like with Dan Slott, it was like, oh, you're not happy in this relationship, so you're going to sabotage it. You're self-sabotaging. Oh, you move back in with Aunt May. Lol, even though you've been in several apartments by yourself, married to Mary Jane, you're just pathetic now because the, you're moving back on. Like, that's the vibe it was going for. And you're only successful when Dr. Octopus takes over your body. Yeah, like, no, I don't deny a lot of Slots Run sucks because a lot of Slots Run is a shitty version of Tom King's Batman. And, like, no, Spencer's been doing great on Bat- Spider-Man because, like, Spider-Man gets a win more mm-hmm. often than not. I mean, dude's back with Mary Jane. That's the ultimate one for everybody. Dude's back with Mary Jane. He's he's friendly with his roommates. He has a cool alien pet. I didn't know about that. That's kind of sick. <laughs> <laughs> no, like one of the latest issues, Boomerang comes up with a get rich quick scheme of making a pet Instagram for it <laughs> to get influencer points. That's the most fucking stealest Marvel villain fig ever. I love it. No, Banger Boomerang's kind of like a, a, a an anti-hero now. Oh, cool. Good for him. He's kind of a good guy. He teams up with Spider-Man every once in a while. And Spider-Man goes like, Jesus Christ, I'm working with you. What the fuck is happening with my life? Mm-hmm. But, uh, okay, so let's let's get into this fucking Nightwing book. Um, okay, so main things you need to know. Joker War happened. Dick Grayson was not himself for a long time, but he just got back to being himself. Barbara Gordon is reparalyzed. Alfred is fucking dead. Okay. And um, the the book opens uh, at uh, issue seventy eight of uh, Rebirth Nightwing twenty sixteen um, on a flashback of some bullies attacking a kid in a park, and the the first person that goes to bat for this kid and says, "Hey, leave him alone." It's a little baby Barbara Gordon. We got a little baby Barbara Gordon in this. And well, then... Huh? Flashback. Yeah, yeah, flashback. And then um, when they're like, well, it's three to one, and you're just a girl, what are you going to do? There's Dick Grayson. And and this is like Dick Grayson just after becoming Robin, basically. <laughs> and and he, And like this fucking bully has the audacity to look at him and go... Oh, yeah, you're the Grayson kid, as in the flying Graysons. Guess they couldn't fly after all. And Dick is just like, walk away, leave the kid alone. I'm, and well, like, fucking Barbara is giving the, the kid the biggest fucking case of stank I have ever seen. Like, look at this fucking panel. Look at this fucking second to bottom panel of Barbara's look. Is that not the best thing ever? God damn. <laughs> um that guy looks like a Kyle. He he is a fucking Kyle. Um like he's he's flat out they come to blows uh and there's a brief little fight and then all of a sudden you hear cop car lights and uh we'll just call him Kyle cuz I don't think they ever say his real name. Um he just goes like, "Oh, cops, oh, you're in so much trouble. My dad owns the police." And Barbara Gordon goes, "You think they'll listen to you over me?" What do you think, dot, 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 next panel, dad? And there's just fucking Jim Gordon with his hands on his hips right behind her. And so the the kids spend a night in jail, and uh, uh, Jim Gordon 
uh puts puts the uh the good kids in in his cop car and uh takes stick home and we get this scene where like barbara's flipping out because it's the first time she's seen the mansion she's like whoa you live in a castle that's sick and dick is very very concerned because he's like fuck bruce told me never to fight out of costume it's dangerous i could hurt somebody and i kind of did but it was for the right reasons. Oh, he's going to yeah, chew me out. Okay uh... But Bruce isn't there. And Alfred just comes out and he goes, oh, well, thank you for bringing him home, Detective Gordon. I really appreciate you watching out for him. Um, meanwhile, Dick just walks inside and starts doing dishes. And Alfred's like, the fuck you doing my job for? And Dick's like, I'm, I'm in trouble, aren't I? And he goes, no. Master Bruce may feel you should only be a hero when wearing a costume, but I'm glad Dick Grayson steps up when someone is in need. It takes a different hero to help without a mask. Just fucking, like, based, wholesome childhood memory. So we cut to modern day, and there's another gang of bullies chasing a free-legged puppy through Bloodhaven. And... This is our introduction to adult Dick Grayson of confronting another group of bullies and basically going, you know, I usually open with something disarming and witty, but then I'm not usually this disgusted. And he beats the shit out of the guy, sends him running, and goes to pick up the dog like, hey, you okay? You, you all right? Did they, did they hurt you? Do I need to take you to a clinic? And because it's Bloodhaven which is like discount store Gotham, the dog bites his hand <laughs> and he's like, all right, fair enough. Why don't, why don't we take you to the vet? And while the vet's looking at you, I'm going to go to the ER. Um, and then we see uh, a scene at the docks of a blockbuster meeting with some officials in Bloodhaven. Do you know who the fuck blockbuster is? No, it's, he is the ki- he is the kingpin to to Nightwing's Daredevil. So he was created for another superhero, but he became much more popular in his book. I mean, you could. I was making a joke. Don't don't be too much. No, he he was created. He was created by Chuck Dixon in the original Nightwing. Um, oh, disco era. Yeah. Uh, but but he's there. He's meeting with the mayor and a couple other people, and he's basically like, "Yo, Mister Mayor." Uh, I'm a, I'm a little tired of having to run past your cops and whatnot. So here's a bunch of money. Why don't you fall in line? And he's like, I'm not gonna fucking do that. You're organized crime. We know you're organized crime. The only reason I'm not arresting you right now is I don't have anything I can pin directly to you. Oh, and he goes, All right, that's cool. I'm gonna use my super strength to just crush your face right now. Hi, uh, um, Miss, uh, Miss, what, what's her fucking first name? I'm trying to see it. Melinda. Melinda, my old friend, do you uh do you want to take over as mayor now? Because you're kind of next in line politically speaking, and you know it would be really advantageous for me because I'm, I'm, I'm old. I'm old friends of your your dad, Tony. I mean, I know you guys are kind of ex- estranged, but uh, we could we could make something happen now. And she's like, Yeah, I'll fucking fall in line. It it'll be beneficial to me, so why not? And uh, if you didn't know, Melinda is the daughter of Tony Zuko, the man who murdered Dick Grayson's parents. Mm. Um, and she's now going to become mayor of Bloodhaven, Mayor Zuko. Um, and That's she, rough, buddy. Um, and fun fact, <laughs> there's actually an arc 
way back in the day in Nightwing, when she first showed up, when she was created, she was basically Dick Grayson's Catwoman. Like, they did date for a little while, and they were thinking about getting married, and then they had a falling out. And now she's been like a, a super villain who only really shows up in Nightwing books because she's much more of like a political villain. Um, but uh, we then go back to Dick Grayson and he's going up to his apartment building um, and he's like, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you, you think I could probably afford better, but I kind of don't have access to Wayne money right now because I did a bunch of stupid shit when I was Rick. So that's unfortunate. But why is my light on? the fuck's going on so uh he goes into the building in full costume ready for a fight and there's barbara tripping up his ass looking like fucking sonya from pokemon sword and shield (laughs) um and if you're wondering why she's walking it's because it's later explained that she has a basically the harness from the birds of prey tv show so she can walk and she can like do day-to-day shit now but there's no way she can fight again. So she's back to being Oracle. It's like a compromise between editorial and and fucking people who actually liked the Oracle thing of like, fine, you can fucking, she can be the fucking cool computer lady and she won't be Batgirl anymore, but she still needs to walk. That's just kind of weird and ableist. Mm-hmm. I mean, cool that she's prosthetics, you know, stuff like that, but like still kind of like, Fuck it. You can have a wheelchair-bound character. Mm-hmm. It's not, yeah. It's not, it's not hard. Mm-hmm. But, but like, I'm so far past the whole New 52 being pissed off about Barbara having use of her legs again thing that I'm just like, yeah, all right, this is fine. Whatever. Yeah. It works. They're having cute character interaction. Because, like, low-key, I've always thought... Like, I ship both Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon and Dick Grayson and Coriander. I think they both work together. And if I'm being honest with you, if DC were smart, they'd just fucking rip off Hickman and put the three of them <laughs> in a poly relationship. Oh, man. Cyclops, Wolverine, and Jean Grey leading mm-hmm. the way for superhero triangles. Uh, yeah. But, uh, of course, Dick introduces uh, Babs to the dog and... Um, she's, she's fucking in love with it. She's like, oh, you're keeping that dog. It's like, I don't, I don't have time to take care of a dog. You're keeping the dog. You've, you've had it for more than three hours and it's already like being nice to you and shit, even though it bit your hand when it first met you. So you're keeping the dog. Like, you need a cute animal sidekick. Fine. I will keep the free-legged dog. Um, why are you actually here? And she goes, oh, that's right. You were a fucking nutter guy when Alfred died. And I'm the executor of his will. So uh, here's a letter he left you, and you're a fucking billionaire now. Because Alfred, as Bruce Wayne's fucking legal guardian, had access to a lot of Wayne money. A lot The Waynes left a lot of money and stocks to him. And Alfred ain't no fucking idiot, so he invested wisely. And he just left it all the dick. Like, because Bruce has got... Like, Bruce covers his boys, but Bruce has enough money. He doesn't need more money. You know who could use some fucking money? Dick. So here, Dick, have all of Alfred's money. Because um, here's the thing. Damien's set for life. He's not gonna need that money. Because he's because mm-hmm. he's because because he, he has like assassin bullshit and all that kind of stuff. Jason, Jason is like, too proud to take it. 
And Tim Drake would probably kind of be like a little pissed off. It's like, come on, I can make my own money. I can be a billionaire in like 10 years. What the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. I can do this on my own. I don't need it. It can be yeah. used better places. I'm, I'm smart enough to not need it. We're good. Yeah. Um, and we do actually get the full letter from, from Alfred to Dick. It's really sweet. It's like, yeah, I know I'm going to fucking die. It's not coming as a surprise to me. I love you. Take care of take care of Bruce, take care of the other boys, you'll be fine, I believe in you kind of shit. Um, and uh, then they um, decide, like, well, let's celebrate. Let's. We haven't had dinner together in a while. Let's go out for pizza. Um, so they go to a local joint in Bloodhaven, um, uh, and there's a really funny scene where he's, where he's like, all right, two slices. And Babs goes, seriously? What? You're a billionaire now. All right. Four slices, please. <laughs> so they go sit in the park and have their pizza. And there's this really cool scene where they're just looking at this statue in the middle of the park. Uh, and, and we get a whole discussion and breakdown of what Bloodhaven is as a location. Because Bloodhaven, when it was originally founded, was a whaling town. It, it was like a big boom town during the early 1900s whaling industry. It makes total sense there because if they were whaling, they'd be slaughtering whales on the in the bay. So it would be a bay full of blood. So it's blood haven. That, oh, that's such a – that's good world building. Mm-hmm. Who created that? I want to I wanna clap them on the metaphorical back. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at this statue that's basically like a guy in a little dinghy holding a harpoon as like these fucking tentacles are riving up out of the sea and trying to get him and he's fighting them back. That's the statue they're looking at. And Dick's basically going like, you know, this city really used to be someplace. People thought they could conquer the world when they lived here. And now because the whaling industry is gone, which isn't a bad thing, but because the whaling industry is gone, and all the money... All the money here now is corporate. It's all either like big corporate companies or organized crime. There's no heart and soul of the city anymore. So people have become really cynical and really cruel. And that's that's why I keep coming back here because I want to lift them up. I want to fix what this what get this city back to what it's supposed to be. And Babs is like, yeah, I really appreciate that. That's that's totally cool. I vibe with that. And then a a homeless guy and his kid comes up and he's like, uh, excuse me, do you have some spare change? And they're both like, shit, we're rich kids. We don't carry cash. We have cards. Sorry. And they're like, oh, that's understandable. Most people don't carry cash these days. Don't worry about it. And as they're walking away, Dick goes like, are you hungry? Let me buy you some food. In fact, go get all your friends and come back here in 20 minutes. I'm going to buy everybody some food. And so there's a big fucking pizza block party that Dick Grayson starts. Um, and they're all like, are you, come on, you serious? You don't really need to do this, man. And he's like, I want to, I'm not, I'm never going to run out of money now. So why not? Why not? It's, not? it's not like Dick lives extravagantly because that's what the pizza scene earlier was a show that he kind of thinks of himself simply. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like we see the inside of his apartment earlier and like, He's got almost no furniture. The guy, the guy lives a very sparse existence because he's Dick Grayson. He's either being Nightwing or sleeping, occasionally sleeping with one of his girls, but more often than not being Nightwing. So what is he doing with like a fucking fancy TV and a PlayStation 5? Or he's hanging out with the Titans and they all have that stuff and you can just like 
borrow it every once in a while. I was like, cool. Um, and then there's my favorite fucking scene in the comic. The the scene that made me go like, yes, Tom Taylor fucking gets the Bat Fam. Um, because uh, a one of the kids that's there at the pizza party steals Dick's wallet, and he's like, oh shit. And Babs is like, what? What happened? Someone, I think that kid took my wallet. Oh shit. And she's just like, wow, and tapping away at her phone. And he goes, never tell Batman about this. And she's like, I already put it in the group chat. And I'm like, and I'm like, because of fucking course there's a Bat family group chat. And it's just them dunking on each other constantly. Bruce <laughs> only shows up every once in a while and goes, bull. Oh. <laughs> uh, and like he only just recently started doing that because Tim told him what lol means. <laughs> um but I, no, he just goes like I want to respond, but I don't I don't know what to say. Well, if you find it funny, you can just go lol. Okay. Lol. Like one of my favorite Batman fan fan arts in in the longest time is just this this little comic of uh like um Stephanie Brown trying to teach Batman slang. And then it cuts to later in the day when they're solving a crime and they find a body behind a dumpster and he just goes big dot 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 mood and, and fucking Stephanie Brown is just like, yes, you get it. You're understanding it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's you, you have the rights to it. You tend you can do this. Let Batman say big chungus. That that's just how Batman greets Bane in one issue. What's up, Big Chungus? And he's like, if you ever fucking call me that again, I swear to God, I'll kill Alfred another five times. I don't know. That sounds kind of sus. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, there, no, there's another great little bit where Dick's, Dick's phone just starts buzzing like crazy, and he's like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> he, and, and Barbara's actually looking at her phone as they're walking away, and she's like, "Yeah, that's all, Cass. Cass does not know how to stop posting emojis, which is <laughs> perfect." Cass uh, is the assassin girl that they adopted, right? Yeah, the silent Asian girl who became Batgirl for a while. Is she mute or is she just vow of silence? She was raised in silence and therefore did not know that language was a thing until she was like a teenager. And it took her forever to learn how to have regular conversational English. Okay. So like she can talk now, but there was a long time where she knew like free words. Okay. That's probably why she's more comfortable with emojis. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's that's why I, that's why I loved that was like the icing on top of like oh my god that's the best characterization Cassandra Kane has gotten since pre fifty two. You know what they just need to do? They just need to do an ensemble team book called Bat Family, and it's just all the sidekicks mm -hmm. just working together. Well, that's what the new Batman and the Outsiders book was supposed to be, and then they just dropped the ball on that book because I read because the first two issues and it was so boring. Just make it like a slice of life with Barbara and uh, all the Robins. Spoiler, Orphan. Mm. Throw in, like, the villain that they're uh, uh, rehabilitating, Killer Croc or uh, Clayface, whichever one it is at the time. Because it kind of flips between those two, right? Yeah. Um, Classic man should show up. Yeah, yeah. Like, the only person I wouldn't really want there is Jason Todd. Just cause... Have we ever talked about this? I don't I like Jason Todd as a member of the Bat family. Okay. Post death. 
Post-revival, Jason Todd should not be in the Bat Family. I like Jason Todd as a villain. It really annoys me that they that they made him an anti-hero. Like I it's the same thing as Barbara walking again. I accept it. We're so far past it now that they're not going to go back on it that it's fine. It's it's fine. I'm not mad. But, like, I was really mad for a minute there. Because, like, there's an arc in Grant Morrison's Batman just after Dick becomes Batman where Jason shows up as a villain and he's, like, the fucking perfect villain for Dick. And it's like, why did this not become a thing? Why did we not just do this for another ten years? And then you do a redemption storyline of him going, like, maybe I'm the baddie. Mm -hmm. But they just forgot about it and then just went, like, nah, he's an anti-hero now. He's got a they, team they, of they, other fuckers we don't care about. They skipped the middle part. They just mm -hmm. need, like, if they had a good redemption story, everybody probably be like, yeah, fuck yeah, Jason. Yeah, that is like a series of graphic, that is a trilogy of graphic novels I would love to write. Is like, the first one would just be straight up Jason Todd as a villain. The second one would be kind of the same thing. And then, like, maybe at the end, he starts to question himself. And then the third one would be him coming around. Yeah. You could, you know, what you could do. You could just kind of frame it like Wolverine, uh, how Wolverine had his, his solo stuff. Mm -hmm. No, uh, but uh, they go off in search of the uh, the kid that took um, Dick's wallet. He suits up, um, and as that's happening, we see the original homeless family that uh, came up to Dick. They're kind of they're they're walking back to wherever it is they sleep. And they're talking about what a great night they had. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes out of an alleyway with a weird-looking kind of gun thing. And the dad's just like, go back to the pizza party. Wait for me there. And we see somebody with a mask, a featureless mask. And it's not a gun. It's a thing that extends out, shoots through this dude's chest, and just pulls his heart out. And that's set up as the mystery going forward as the man who steals hearts. Um, have you seen the end thing from the new Robin issue? I have not read the new Robin issue yet. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen Otaku Damien. That's all I've seen from that. Okay. Because holy shit, there's a thing. Uh, let me see if I can Ask get to it real quick. Like with this, I can see through your eyes and I can, I can help you. I can be Oracle for you. Like, and she's going to be his guy in the chair going forward. Um, which I'm fine with. I, I, I don't mind that. Um, but uh, as as he's going in search of uh, the person who took his wallet, he catches up to them and he sees they're going to steal from a mobster named Boss Moroni, who is one of Hammerhead's underlings, as I understand it. And he's having a meeting with Melinda Zuko and he's like, what the fuck is going on with the oh shit, they just stole his wallet. And now one of his bodyguards is after them. Okay, beat up the bodyguard, uh, start chasing after them because they're already gone. Oh, this is a whole... They just led me back to their home, and they're... It's a homeless camp of just kids. Oof. And he's like, you know what? I can just go home and order a new card. I had like 60 bucks in cash in that wallet. Just keep it. Just keep it. Um... Uh, and he just he just goes home and he tells um he tells Babs about what happened and uh, she's like well we should call the police and he's like they won't do anything the police here are even more corrupt than the police were in Gotham when Bruce started out like I am the only thing here that can help these people 
and I have to, I have to do, I have to be the thing that me and my parents didn't have when I started out. I have to be Bloodhaven safety net. And that's the mission statement for the book going forward. Issue eight, uh, number 80 isn't out yet, but I'm super into it. And uh, I'm going to try and keep up with this going forward. And I do want to read that new Robin number one at some point, but go ahead and spoil the fuck out of it for me. Okay, because this is the final image of that Robin book. And that's what made me go like, oh, shit. Hmm. See what happened to Robin? I guess this is a thing that's running through all the bat books right now. Maybe, because you know who that is? Who is that? That's Flatline. She's the daughter of Dr. Death. I think that's his name. Mm. Dr. Death's one of those kind of like on my periphery, don't really know much about them characters. Uh, I'm double checking my information real quick. Boo, boo, boo. No, that's not what I fucking want. It's wrong fucking wiki. Why, why is that the top wiki? Dumbass. Well, that's that's fucking bullshit. Doesn't no one's filled it out yet? She's been out for a bit. If this was Marvel, they'd have this whole thing filled out. We're not as diligent as you. Our company is kind of in shambles right now, trying to reform into something real. So you know. <laughs> uh, but no, also, this, this fucking Nightwing book is so good. And I really loved it. Um, and the whole and the art in this too. I didn't talk about that enough. It's really it's it's simplistic, but it's got enough detail to it that you always get what's going on. The expressions are fantastic. Like some of the just the little beats between Dick and Barbara in in the second issue, especially, are adorable. Um, and I I definitely want to keep up with this run going forward. Um very very solid uh book from dc and uh hopefully they're getting back up on their feet now that we're getting into infinite frontier and we're we're coming out of the pandemic and the the comic book shops that survived can now help everybody get back on their feet yeah i'm glad that you've got some dc books to to look forward to you know because mm-hmm. i will i will get to that robin book if um when i have a minute um and fucking Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow is only a couple more months away. Hell yeah. I'm just trying to find this information. Lord Deathman. That's a name. Lord Deathman. I am Googling it. Because I think he's just like an old, old school fucking baddie. Like he's like a Necron level dude. Like he's he was... He was Dr. Pig before he kind of had a revival in the te- 2010s. I thought Morrison invented Dr. Pig. No, he's a six, he's a he's an early Batman baddie. No, this guy is from okay, yeah, I do know this guy. He was in an issue of Morrison's run. He's in one of the first issues of Incorporated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh no, that's from the 66 book. Here's the here's an actual old panel of the dude. But yeah, no, he's uh he looks like a cool he looks like a cool cat. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's good that good that DC's getting back on its game. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we're on an ups. We, we we you kind of froze there, but you, so I'm just gonna wait a second. I'm. Oh, you good? Hey, where did you lose me at? Uh, we're on an upswing. Yeah, we're we're on an upswing period right now, and uh, I will. Um, did did you hear me go back to the WWE analogy? No. Okay, so like I said, 
being a DC fan is a lot like being a WWE fan. You have your hype refresh periods where everything's kind of getting back to normal and is exciting. Like, okay, we can just tell some stories for a little bit. And then you have your periods where they had a bunch of big ideas all at once that all came from marketing and they didn't think about how to actually do them and they're kind of tripping over themselves. And that's, we're, we're in a brand refresh period right now. So I'm content to dip my toes back into current DC. That's the one benefit that Marvel has with never having like a crisis or a complete reboot. I mean, you guys that... can have some, you guys have had some tremendously stupid events in recent years. Oh yeah, no. But because we have to understand everything, like there's no, for lack of a better way of describing, there's no way to just wipe the slate clean and fuck everything up. We just fuck one corner of it up and then someone can clean it up in a bit. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, there can be a Nazi a Nazi cap for a for like a uh, six months, but like someone can come and clean that up in a bit. The X-Men are fine right here. Everything's fine over here. What corner is fucked up at the moment, would you say? Um, for me, it's Fantastic Four because fuck that fucking ret- uh, that goddamn retcon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking uh cosmic's doing pretty cool with guardian stuff that's that's shaping up really cool um i think the, there's you don't something... read much street level marvel do you i don't i need to catch up with chip zadarsky's daredevil i've been People reading told me i've heard zadarsky's daredevil is very good so i want to check oh, it yeah. out no i've been reading uh spencer spider-man and he's basically street level the way mm-hmm. he's writing up it's very much personal spider-man stories <laughs> To give a wrestling analogy, Spider-Man is like Upper Street. Yeah. Like, he can go to that main event place if he needs to. <laughs> Very much so. I think, the, I think the biggest thing is, like, Marvel doesn't have a wide variety of their supernatural stuff. Mm. Like, the closest thing we have is Strange. When was the last time there was a Ghost Rider book? <sighs> uh, 2019? Maybe Man. early 2020? Uh and that got canceled. And they were d- trying to set up something interesting because it was basically Johnny Blaze, King of Hell, and uh, um, Danny Ketch trying to kind of like fight him, but it, like it was getting weird. Also, like they still uh, uh, Reyes is on the Avengers right now. Yeah, like, that's, that's right. That's a big Ooh, thing. Aaron's oh. Avengers is still going. I haven't even thought about that in forever. Yeah, no, I have like. It's been doing nothing. Like the best it's been doing is like some events here and there. And the last one I can think of is like Empire. But like, like who read Empire? <laughs> nobody read Empire. And anybody who did read Empire just goes like, yeah, no, the X-Men tie-in was the best because it was a giant dumb joke. Um Supernatural is probably the, the Supernatural on the magic side is like probably the one that's not doing a ton of great stuff. It's doing good stuff because Strange Academy's great. It's basically, what if Harry Potter, but the rules of Marvel magic? Right. So Doctor Strange basically sets up a magic academy because he realizes, oh, magic has brand new rules and we need to explain them to kids so they don't get hurt because a lot of kids are, like, coming into magic. And, like, it's a wide variety of casts. Like, a couple of Asgardians are there. There's a, a frost giant that's part of the class. Does magic uh, like commute to the village to be the defense against the dark arts? No, no, no. It's New Orleans. It's in New Orleans. Oh, sit is Doctor Voodoo there? Doctor Voodoo's the principal. Fuck yeah. 
Dr. Voodoo's like the acting principal. Dr. Strange is the headmaster. He pops in every once in a while. Oh, no, it's great because like uh, Hellstrom is a teacher there. Oh, nice. Scarlet Witch is a teacher there. Good. I'm glad Wanda has something going on. And Magic is a teacher there. So there's they haven't done anything with that. I might so, go I, like I'm. I'm probably gonna go and read that at some point. Then just because like that's a lot of characters who I either already like or mostly want cameos to like. and like background. They're they're mostly there for cameo background. Kind of like like the teachers were in Harry Potter. They kind of have that role, mm. trying to help the kids out and teach them. It's kind of cool. So it's more about the kids. It's kind of like a Gotham Academy. Yeah, it's more about the kids. The kids are cool. The kids have fun characters and everything. By the way, uh, for those of you who haven't heard of it or didn't read it for whatever reason, go read Gotham Academy. It's like the closest thing DC's ever done to a fucking Japanese manga. Uh, also, one of the students is the son of Dormammu. Sick. Yeah, no. Uh, also, one of the kids is uh, the same species as uh, Man-Thing. Whoa. So, like, there's a Man-Thing just running around. He's dope. But it's all about, like, learning magic and everything. And there's, like, this whole big mystery of, like, wait a second. All magic comes at a cost. There's a sacrifice. Why can't we just do all the magic here on the campus without, yeah, like, without any recourse? Why can't we do this? And it's, like, that's the se- that's the mystery of the arc. Trying to figure that out. Doctor Strange shows up and does some stuff. It's cool. Um, but, like, yeah, no, a lot of supernatural characters are just kind of getting, like... Supernatural slash horror are getting a lot of like miniseries, but there's not a ton of ongoing. So like you get a Morpheus uh, miniseries like every six months. There's a Man Thing uh, miniseries going on right now where like Man Thing's kind of crossing over with a major Marvel character, and it's more of like the Marvel characters going into a horror situation and going, "Oh shit!" Mm. It's not like big superhero stuff. Uh, Blades on the Avengers. I remember hearing about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just. I don't know if they have nothing to do with them, or they're not sure what to do with them, or but nobody has a, like a really cool vision for them. But like they're just, they're just there. They're not doing a ton of things right now. Uh, Cosmic's doing okay. Guardians is fun. Guardians is really cool. X Men is probably like the crown jewel right now at Marvel. They're just doing so much cool shit. We're just it's full nineties nostalgia, huh? <laughs> oh man. Does that mean we're getting a new, uh, a new Midnight Suns? Sure. I wouldn't mind that. They'll sell one copy every month, and it'll not be to you because you don't even buy comics, you filthy pirate. Hey, 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 I have I have the first six issues of the Midnight Suns. I know you do, and I'm very I- proud of you. We're all very proud of you for that purchase, Boingo. Yee. I mean, someone has to appreciate that dumb bullshit. What's been like three fucking hours? Do we have anything else to talk about? Nah, man. I don't. I don't. I don't know, man. Uh. So why don't we? Actually, I'm looking at Marvel's current publications right now. Active, Alien, Amazing Spider-Man, Avengers, Black Cat, Black Panther, Black Widow, Cable, Captain America, Captain Marvel. Oh, Cable is ending at issue twelve. Captain America is ending at issue thirty. They're probably redoing a new one. Uh, Champions, Children of the Atom. Conan the Barbarian, Daredevil, Eternals. Eternals is good. Excalibur, Fantastic Four, Guardians, Hellions. Oh, yeah, fucking Immortal Hulk is sick. So, yeah. Like, like, you go like, oh, man, this shit is sick. And then you forget about it for like a month. And then you see a new issue and go like, oh, shit, Immortal Hulk. That's sick. 
Uh, Iron Man. Iron Man's doing actually some fun stuff. Marauders, Miles Morales, New Mutants. Nonstop Spider-Man, which is kind of like a different Spider-Man take. It's a different style of story. Runaways, Savage Avengers, Spider-Woman, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. <laughs> shit, I don't care about shit, 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 I don't care about. I mean, I dig Star Wars. It's just like, no, it's just a bunch of Star Wars books that are being published by Marvel because fucking they're owned by the same company. Mm-hmm. Sword, Thor, uh, Venom, which is ending its current run at issue 200. Uh, Donny Case is stepping off the book. Someone else is stepping in uh x-factor x-force x-men and x-men legends which is an interesting uh book x-men legends is basically hey you know all those plot holes we made in the 90s once Chris claremont stepped off the x-men books that we never wrapped up here's a book just all wrapping all of them up <laughs> pretty that's that's based as fuck good on you Marvel. here's just a bunch of like we're just gonna go through a bunch of these stories and just like tie up all the loose ends i like that 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 is like the kind of thing I would do if I ever got to work on, on a major comic brand. Uh, but we also have uh, the Marvels, Predator, Shang Chi, Way of X, X Corp, and a new version of X Men because the current run of X Men is ending at issue twenty one, and I am pretty sure Hickman is stepping off the book. Uh, he's stepping into the other X book uh, at plan. I think it, I don't know what's going to be. Who knows. Uh, they're also doing an American Chavez uh, limited series, Mech Strikes limited series, Beta Ray Bill, Black Knight Carnage, Gwen Stacy miniseries, Iron Fist miniseries, Maestro, Modoc, Nebula, Power Pack, Silk, Taskmaster, Valkyries, uh, the Ultraman books that they're doing. I need to read read through them. Buster does not have nice things to say about those. Apparently, they're very slow and very boring. It sounds like it's an American-style take on Ultraman, so I'll probably yeah. enjoy it. Uh, Thor and Loki, which is kind of like a, a kid adventure story. Hmm. Yeah, I saw the cover for the first issue of that. It looked neat. I read the first issue. It was pretty cute. And U.S. Agent. Yeah, I want to read that. I want to oh read that. What's I don't up? know who's doing it. Fantastic Four. Life story. Oh, yeah, I heard about that when it got announced a few months back. That's going to be sick. Gamma Flight, Heroes Reborn, uh, New Warriors, Punisher versus Barracuda, Reptile, Reptile. Oh, Superhero Squad. Uh, another Star Wars book and another Spider-Man book. And like, Plus I don't all, have... the, all the the what if stuff they're doing now. Yeah, and like I don't have the full slate in front of me, but like there is DC stuff coming out. I'm excited about like like I said, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. That's probably going to be my book for a few months. Oh yeah, no. Um, I was Superman, glad- son of Kal El. I, I like. I didn't. I was initially very resistant to John Kent when he first became a thing in continuity, and now I'm like, no, we stand. John Kent is our boy. We're here to love and support him. He's gonna be great. Um, Morrison's doing a new Superman book. That's super exciting. Um, freaking something that got announced the other day that I cannot wait for. Fucking Batgirls, plural. It's gonna be a book about Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown being co-Batgirl. That's fun. because it's been a long-standing background thing in the Bat books that they're besties and and they and they're like sisters and they get on, but they they were fucking ripped out of continuity in the New Fifty Two, and then we did a stupid weekly book to reintroduce them and a bunch of other side characters to the Batman lore because we had to catch up the Bat books to everything else, and then 
and they weren't themselves for a very long time until um we did like a little work here and there to fix them get them up to speed and now finally they can just come in and just be besties again and i'm very excited to read that Stephanie brown's the daughter of a villain isn't she Yes, she was originally uh, the daughter of Question Master or something like I forget what Quiz it is. Yeah, Quiz Master. And she was spoiler because she would spoil his quizzes. That's cute, but also kind of dumb, but it's cute. I dig it. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, and then she and then she was spoiler for a good long time. And then she got pregnant. And then and then DC forgot about that. And then she became um a uh, Robin for a hot minute. And then Batman went, You're you're fucking you're you're, you're uh, girls can't be Robin, shut up. Because DC didn't understand how to write a Robin dynamic at the time. Um and then uh she disappeared from continuity for a good little bit until Stephanie Brown's uh or not Stephanie Brown, Cassandra Kane's Batgirl book was kind of in the middle of its run and they became friends. Um and then when uh Cassandra Gaines stepped down from the Batgirl mantle for a little bit, I don't remember why, uh uh Stephanie became Batgirl and she was Batgirl right up until the new 52. Neat. But uh, yeah, no, it, we've been talking for a while about comics. Jesus Christ, who'd have think the ep- first episode where we're not talking about something MCU related would be the longest fucking episode ever? We just had a lot to talk about comics wise, I guess. We did. So, and I mean, my Batman fucking rant out of the Nightwing book was a lot more abbreviated than I thought it was going to be. I was like, I've got, I earlier in the week, I was like, shit, I've got three hours worth of material on this one book. Let's go. Yeah. So why don't we wrap things up? Tell the people where they can find you. Uh, hi everybody. I'm the vacuuminator. You spell that T H E V A C U U M I N A T O R. I'm a YouTuber who makes vlogs, toy reviews, and media analysis. You can find my content at youtube.com slash the vacuuminator. However, you won't find anything terribly new because I'm currently on hiatus from doing solo content. So maybe just go out, go there to check out my backlog, see if you can find something you like. And if you do find something you like, check me out on social media. I'm always uh, around doing stuff. I've got a Twitter at the vacuuminator and an Instagram at the underscore vacuuminator. Alrighty. Hey, howdy, howdy. I'm Chris Boyner, writer guest, and I do video essays and editorial stuff on my YouTube channel. You can find that by searching Boingo Writer on YouTube. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Boingo underscore writer. And as always, you can join my Discord server. A link to that is in the description. And as always, if you're watching this on YouTube, remember to like, comment, subscribe to the channel. Tell us what you thought, thought of this podcast episode and if you're listening on another podcasting platform hey why don't you follow us on your platform of choice or you can go to anchor.fm and follow us there uh as always this is modular media no prize podcast uh and until next time where we're talking about the phoenix saga from the x-men animated series the 90s one the 90s one there's multiple i don't think x-men evolution ever did a phoenix saga i don't know terribly much the only one I know a lot about is the 90s cartoon, and that's only because people constantly talk it up to me. And I'm like, cool, I didn't grow up on it, and I was a little too old for reruns of it when they started happening on Jet X. Yeah, but till next week, any final words, dog? Um, hey, DC, just, just 
just do it, you cowards. Just, just do it. Just, just, just have Corey move in with Dick and Barbara. Just do it. All right. Enough said.